0: Hello ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 11 of the Apron Bumps Wrestling Podcast. I am your host, with the mostest braster, Braden Mayhew along with my co-host, Mr. Gabe said We have broken double digits. I did so with 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 Brandon on the oh, yeah, predict- I heard. yeah, yeah, I so heard. now we're almost hitting a dozen. Next episode will be number 12, but we're on number 11 right now. So already crazy. Because we don't crazy, always man. do this, we don't always do this show every week. So it's it's like oh, we're oh already, yeah, yeah, we're already getting yeah, getting it going here with uh, double digits, and we're just coming off a a, a great pay per view last night from the All Elite Crew. I thought it was probably the best uh, pay per view style show since things had to change, and there's been like no live crowds in attendance. I think it's like the best like quarantine show that any promotion. Has put on since the situation has become what it's become.
1: Yeah, as I I was watching it, I was kind of um, I was kind of bored throughout some stuff. But I think back, like, wow, this is actually really a good show. And I I look back at like how great the MJF and Jungle Boy match really was and mm-hmm. stuff. Like that, and I right. I just I just lost. All boredom. I had 100% attention though on the main event. I was having a a ball on that one, but we'll get to
0: that later. We will certainly get to that later. So I actually tuned into the buy-in for a bit. So oh really? Like, How was that? I, it was fine. I mean, it was it was all it was decent. Uh, Private party is kind of green. Um they haven't wrestled on television I, it's been weeks dude like at least like a month or two. Mm-hmm. So like they they did their they did their their spots but it was it, they there was just some messy stuff going on and I, I like Chuck and Trent are, are pros but even they were kind of blowing some stuff like it wasn't nearly as crisp as you would hope like an AEW tag match to be but some of the athleticism was still impressive where you say oh, this isn't entirely shit you know like you give like all four guys worked hard like they they worked hard yeah, I, I can't deny that, but um, there was just, it, it, as you say, remember how you say like, there's something lacking with what's going on? You use that in our chat a lot when, uh, yeah, when describing, it's, yeah.
1: It's very big, you know, sometimes, but it, you just have that feeling, though, mm-hmm. when it's missing something and you just can't point it out. Well, I can I mean actually that, point but. it
0: out. There was just a lot of miscommunication yeah. and two guys who are kind of green just being rusty after not being in the ring in a while, right? So, like... That's kind of what went on, but like there was still some cool stuff. You had like um, a big shooting star from Quen onto Trend. Oh my and god, his,
1: his shooting stars look. It, great. it is.
0: It, it does look very very nice, and it was just some like messy Hurricane Ranas and arm drags and that kind of stuff, where just like the the execution looked ugly, and like the fall from it after taking that bump like didn't look nice either. Like it just looked messy on both sides. But I was kind of intrigued, and I, I watched because I wanted to test the quality of of my stream. Which, of course, it worked great for the pre-show, then as soon as the main card kicked off, it froze immediately. I'll get into that when we go into the actual main card. So for the whole half hour that I watched, or like 20, 25 minutes, it was fine. And at the end, um, uh, Chuck removed Isaiah Cassidy from the equation, and Trent and him did their double-team move. I think they call it Strong Zero, is like the double-team move that they do, and they did it on... That name is
1: uh... used too much for uh, a <laughs> wrestling move.
0: I hear that for every single wrestler... Yeah, you gotta, like, you gotta get, just, we have a lot of words in the dictionary, right? So, like, I'm sure more words can be used to describe a move.
1: Yeah, I know, it's just, like, Strong Zero is a name for Mm. a bunch of different wrestling finishes, and I'm like, okay, there's Tony Storms, and there's another wrestler in Japan, and I'm like, okay. Mm -hmm. Which one's the definitive, like, Strong Zero, like, name, moniker? So,
0: anyway, that's apparently what best friends call their double-team finish, and they hit uh, Quinn with it to pin him and... They became the number one contenders. As I said in the predictions before the show earlier in the week with Brandon, I suspected uh, Best Friends were going to win this match. I did not think. Did pri- you see?
1: Did you see Private Party do uh, a G nine to pay uh, homage to Shad?
0: Yeah, I did notice that. I was just about to
1: bring that up. Yeah, that was one thing I uh, I heard about from the buy-in. Yeah, so. yeah, they they they,
0: they had a, the Private Party performed a few like vintage Crime Time spots during the match in in tribute to Shad Gaspard, who unfortunately. passed away last week, and I don't know what the whole situation was. Was it, like, he went swimming with uh, his son, and...
1: Yeah, he went to spend time with his son swimming in the beach,
0: so, and then... it turned, obviously, it turned tragic, yeah. But he 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 was able to save his kid, but he, you know, it cost him his life in the end, which... Yeah,
1: apparently the lifeguards were... The last thing that he said was, like, take care of my son first, and then get me, or something like that, so... Mm -hmm but he was swallowed and then sadly
0: this, uh, this had to happen, but yep, he's gone. Yeah. But his, his, his son was saved and like really just a heroic gesture. Like what pretty much what like any loving father would do for, Oh my kid. God. Not just a loving father. He's a great person mm-hmm. in general. Like every interview he's
1: been, he's, Like just funny, and you can easily talk to him, and he's even stopped like a robbery on like camera before. He did do
0: that. That's right. I forgot about that a couple years ago, right? Chad
1: Gaspard is like the total opposite of what he portrayed in, you know, in uh. Though
0: to be to be fair, Crime Time got very over, despite like how not pushed how not pushed they were. (laughs)
1: They were so, like I like the you know the ironic twist that their baby faces and it's just it's and just they just light up the whole crowd every time they just entered. I've never seen them as a heel other than their feud with each other cuz you know WWE got a feud with each other for your tag team, right? So Yeah. It's just it's just uh
0: yeah, they're just a great tag team. They were and I can't and... believe they never won the belts. They're like the, they're no. like they were like Enzo and Cass before Enzo and Cass. They're like this but, popular yeah. team that did well but like never got pushed to win the tag titles.
1: And they were still wrestling even uh, before Shad's death. Apparently, around the indie scene, so it's just yeah,
0: they they were living you know. the gimmick too. They were doing, or I shouldn't say living it, but they were still like doing the the crime time shtick, like on the oh, independent yeah, of circuit. Course. Which, again, it's it it got over on the big stage, and that means if you can get over on the big stage, you can take those tools and get over on the smaller stages and do it well. So. That's that. My analysis of this here buy-in match was like, again, I've seen Best Friends winning. They've been used consistently for the past two months. They've been building momentum on television, on route to building up to this pay-per-view. And Private Party is a long-term investment. The guys are green and young. they got tons of time left. A a loss here doesn't hurt them, as I explained on the predictions. And again, it was action-packed. It was what you would expect from two teams like this. It's just... Uh, a bit of disjointed action from Cassidy and Quinn because they're green a bit and they haven't uh, really had like a, a big-time televised match And I feel like, at least two months. I mean, it could be less than that, but it, it feels like at least 60 days since the last time I've seen these guys compete. So, that's my thought on uh, the buy-in. So then we move on to the actual main card, which kicked off at 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern last night and like you I was also having a stream injury. yes so like as soon as the the main promo package started my first stream cut out and just crashed oh no No, it froze and stayed frozen in the exact same frame for like what felt like a half hour so I found another wow. one in the list of my pay-per-view live events options on my little like uh, fire stick programming that I pay a couple hundred for twice a year it's cheaper than cable so you know it works most of the time, but for pay per view sometimes it can be a little shoddy. And so this second stream worked for the promo package right until the uh, they were going to do the introductions for the casino ladder match, and it just crashed and went black. And then I had to like sort through a bunch of nameless pay-per-view like stream options. Like After that, they go like pay-per-view 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, oh, yeah. 6, 7, and you, there's no list for any of them. It's just a bunch of pay-per-view and numbers. So then I went through all 1 through 7, and then finally on 7, there was a proper uh, stream to uh, the, the pay-per-view. And then I had pretty much no issue after that. Um, except I did have to go down one more again, and I'll explain where it froze. And I had to kind of go to an older stream that was now working again. But anyway, it worked for a while. And this was the, they kicked off with the casino ladder match. It was a nine man ladder match for a future world championship opportunity. Using that same casino gimmick, there was a battle royal. They did it last year's double or nothing. That was also for a world title match. Interesting that it was on the pre-show, the buy-in last year. And uh, Hangman Page won that to, um... Uh, I guess he got a match with Chris Jericho later on down the line to determine the first-ever AEW world champion. So, this is a ladder match with, like, Royal Rumble-style entrance. So, Scorpio Sky came out first, and then he was immediately followed by Frankie Kazarian. So, SCU, both members of the tag team, were starting off this match. So, they kind of um, you know, sprinted back and forth and kind of did their, their own thing until Kip Sabian came out and he was number three and the commentators were like, well, SCU's in a two-on-one situation here. Kip might be in trouble. And then no sooner after they say that does Jimmy Havoc show up and take out both, uh, Sky and Kazarian with a ladder, um, G- uh, Kazarian with a beautiful German suplex onto, uh, Onto the ladder that really spelled the end for Jimmy Havoc. I don't remember him doing all too much after taking that, uh, that bump. And then after that Darby Allen entered at number four, Uh, I should mention that between the entrance, there was two minutes. So there was two minute intervals between each of the entrances. So you start with two guys and then it was every two minutes, somebody else would enter. So uh, Darby came out and he wiped out um, both Kip and Havoc, who was kind of like, you know, kind of selling his injuries at ringside with um he did it's just the craziest like tope ever it looks so uncontrolled when when he goes through those ropes it's like i don't know how he lands and doesn't get hurt
1: oh his lope is like really suicidal you know what i mean it looks nuts it looks like he's gonna break his neck
0: every time he does it oh my god how does he survive that move
1: they don't need a really weird dive, but I think you'll talk about it then.
0: Yeah, I I'm, I'm going to talk about that pretty soon. Yeah. So, he ends up taking out Kazarian with um, his skateboard of all things, which is part of his gimmick. And so then he just he sets up this ladder uh across like the ring and the the barricade barricade with no fans i love how each wrestling show needs to use those guardrails but he sets a ladder up between the ring and that he puts kazarian on it and then he climbs up the ladder with his skateboard and i kid you not he does a tony hawk style skateboard (laughs) trick off of the ladder through kazarian through the ladder at ringside and he sold this knee like he'd actually one hundred percent blown it out, and the spot was so oh my god! The spot was so unorthodox I almost believed he'd actually injured himself in that moment. It
1: looked, yeah, know, it it made me feel like you know that pain where you like I guess if you're walking on like some like dress shoes and then you split on your heel or something for a quick mm. second. That's what I felt when I saw him land on like the ground. I. Ooh. I so I've done that. Like it's it's, yeah, it's 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 yeah.
0: He is okay. I haven't heard anything about injury. And then he did he did stuff after that. He got up and was doing stuff, which we'll get to. But he came out. He basically took out everybody, like literally everybody. And then he just does this crazy skateboard trick off of a ladder through another guy through a ladder. It was just nuts. It was it, it was absolutely crazy, is, is is what it was. And then, like, so the match is really starting to pick up, but then comes out Orange Cassidy at number five. And when they say he's the King of Slots style, that was never on display more than his entrance here. So he takes so long, he's so lackadaisical, he walks so slow that pretty much by the time he's maybe halfway down the ramp, we're getting number six, who's uh, Colt Cabana. So Colt Cabana is basically, he, he's coming out, he's at entrance number six, and maybe by this time Cassidy is just about in the ring. Like, I'm not kidding you. It took him like two minutes to go from like the gorilla position to the ring. So he ends. Uh, C- Cabana comes out and he dumps Cassidy to the floor and he sets up a ladder and uh, he, he's looking to climb up and end it as quick as he can. But then uh, Kip Sabian and Kazarian tip the ladder over, and uh, basically like Cabana crushes his fingers on his way down, or whatever. <clears throat> he he sold his fingers off of off of the fall, and then uh, Orange Cassidy ends up doing his uh, his trademark wimpy kicks <laughs> to SCU. They stand there, they look at him, and he he does the you know the little the little tiny tap of the shin with his foot, and. Does that? Then obviously they both take him out with pretty much relative ease. They use their uh, their, their tag team maneuver to take him out, and then after that, Joey Janela comes out. He's entrant number seven. He replaced the injured Ray Phoenix. This was originally Ray Phoenix a spot in the match, but uh, he suffered an injury on Dynamite the Wednesday before and was not medically cleared to compete. So he was replaced by Janela, and Janela went nuts. So he takes out Colt Cabana. Com- uh, oh. Cannonball, right? Yeah, he took out uh, Colt yeah. Cabana with a, a massive jumped, drop kick. What's that?
1: This is where I joined in in the stream. Mm. Like, it oh, so this is when you actually stream. started watching it. Okay. Yeah, like he just like jumped in, and I, I do I did hear about uh, what's his name, Darby Allen's like weird like dive off the ladder. But yeah, and then that's when I joined was when uh when what's his name, Joey Janela did the whole cannonball.
0: Yeah. So then he he takes out Kazarian with a with a chair. And, um, he prevented him. So he takes him out with a chair Then um, Scorpio sky ends up blasting Janela with a chair of his own. So Joey goes crazy before that, as we said, he did a, he did a bunch of, what do you call it? A cannonball is the, it was, it was what he calls that move. He did, he did some sort of wacky dive. I forget who it was on to, but it was like a big wacky dive, like off the top turnbuckle to the floor.
1: Oh, I don't know. What, I don't remember what he did there.
0: Oh, uh, I remember he jumped yeah. off the top rope and then hit somebody on the way down. It was a wacky, crazy dive. Uh, but yeah, so he—it's he, like he's like a stuntman <laughs> in his matches. He always takes like ridiculous, like, like bumps that should really like take a guy out he for like six months. Like, oh my goodness! Yeah. Yeah, he's gonna get hurt, man. <laughs>
1: I mean, he's already fallen off of a roof, so I'm just thinking like, how many like giant ass dives and falls can he take before you know he, he can't move
0: i guess only time will tell he's gotta he's gotta cool it down though i wouldn't want to see him get yeah, seriously do. hurt man like mm-hmm. it's pushing it sometimes some of the stuff that he does but anyway luchasaurus came out at number eight and he he took out joey janela and then he took out the colt cabana and Frankie kazarian all of pretty much relative ease he he then choke slammed kip sabian over the top rope oh, oh no no he power bombed him actually yeah he lifted him up for a power bomb then basically threw him Uh, over the top rope to a bunch of people ready to catch poor Kip as he got flung through the air. And then this is where he hit the chokeslam. And he caught uh, Kazarian with a a chokeslam and chokeslammed him on the ladder. Bad times for Mr. Frankie Kazarian. Then Darby ended up uh, coming into the fray. He'd been out since the skateboard trick. And then he was somehow able to actually... Uh, off the top rope, catch Luchasaurus with a sunset flip powerbomb. They called it kind of um, what, what, Code Red. It was kind of how it looked yeah, like. It yeah, he pulled that out on on Luchasaurus. May I remind you, is a very, weird. very big man. It's a large man at Luchasaurus. So then he's struggling. He's still favoring his knee, but he's trying to set up a ladder. And then as Darby's setting this up, he watches as number nine comes out and it's Taz on the uh, the audio before the music hits, introducing Brian Cage, who is the final mystery competitor. Uh, he is uh, former Impact World Champion, and Cage from that point on went on and pretty much killed everybody. I he... popped
1: really hard, Braden. I was, oh yeah, uh... I bet. <laughs> I was like, hold on, he was just in like TNA like a couple like months ago or so, and then so it's a. Uh... It was crazy. I didn't expect him to be in there.
0: Well, they signed him and then he got hurt or like he got hurt and then he signed with them to come back to them when he got better. But like with the injury he thought he got, I thought he was going to be out for much longer, but here he is and he's wrestling. So he comes out and he destroys Darby Allen and Kip Sabian. And then he ends up like, if you thought he destroyed them, Scorpio Sky took this like ridiculous German suplex from him. looks like he almost died upon impact. He didn't by the way, but it looked vicious and then uh, he ends up punishing uh, Joey Janela with this superplex. And uh, because he, he dropped Joey, basically, on Kazarian, who was still down. And then, then that's when Orange Cassidy decides to, uh, uh, I guess, try and fight off Brian Cage. Uh, that didn't work out too well for Freshly Squeezed, by the way. So then when he takes out Orange, everybody jumps Cage. Everybody left in the match. He wasn't taken out. And... <clears throat> they all beat him up but this ends up i think cage ended up like popping out of everybody trying to beat him down and he flung like a ladder in kazarian's face so as soon as kazarian got up he basically took something and got knocked right back down but then they end up overwhelming him eventually and they they beat him down on the outside they basically like quadruple team him and then they start carrying everything to bury him with. They bury him with ladders. They take pieces of the guardrail, bury him with that. Then a bunch of guys, including Orange Cassidy, who who actually showed some effort and some strength here. He, he took a lot of work to help carry that casino chip. That's a very, yeah. that's very out of character yeah, yeah. for <laughs> Orange to be lifting this heavy casino chip with a team of others. But him and a bunch of others end up um, carrying this uh, giant... Uh, double or nothing casino chip and they drop that on brian cage so he's buried and seemingly done or so we thought so then back inside the ring orange cassidy and kip sabian battle atop of the ladder and then uh cassidy ends up sending kip off of the ladder onto another that looked like a a bad bump but it's been done so many times in ladder matches that i should just be like yeah it's just another spot which it really shouldn't be but like these days it is when a guy just falls off a ladder and bounces off, off to another ladder, like you'd think that'd be like a career-ending move, but now it's just like a transitional spot. It's just modern wrestling, I suppose. So then, so, yeah. Mm-hmm. So then, uh, Penelope Ford, Kip's girlfriend, ends up interfering, and uh, she ends up she kind of comes out and distracts Orange Cassidy so that Jimmy Havoc can come from behind and basically pull Orange Cassidy off the ladder. Then Best Friends hit the ring, and I think Chuck Taylor might have just got cleaned up because he came out barefoot. He doesn't even have any boots yeah. on or anything. They come out, and they they attack Jimmy Havoc, and then all of a sudden, Marco Stunt appears out of nowhere, and he joins Luchasaurus for... Actually, what he did is he got out a, a stepladder, and he stood on top of it, and him and Luchasaurus delivered a double choke slam to Orange Cassidy... And, uh, actually I think they choked them above over the top rope and took out a bunch of people at ringside was the spot. And then Joey Janela ends up just going after Orange Cassidy too with a ladder. And, uh, he then delivered a Death Valley driver onto Orange Cassidy off of the apron onto the poker chip that buried Brian Cage. So keep in mind that Brian Cage is still underneath all of this debris and wacky, crazy Joey Janela with Orange Cassidy, a full-grown man, delivers a Death Valley Driver. So this is similar to the move that Velveteen Dream uses on NXT. He did this off of the ring apron onto a giant poker chip, which is like made of hard plastic. That couldn't have felt yeah. good for anybody involved. <laughs> it couldn't have felt good. It was it was nuts. That was a, that was a crazy moment there. Then uh, the battle of SCU begins at top of the ladder until uh, Luchasaurus basically dumps them off to the floor, and eventually Brian Cage goes like what Ultra Instinct, we can call it. He just he just like hulks up he and went, he
1: went Wolverine basically. Yeah, he
0: went yeah. <laughs> full on Wolverine. By that he means super powered. He arose from his, his burial, if you will. He just got everything off of him. He stood up, and then him and uh, Luchasaurus had like these this crazy exchange of like stiff shots and kicks where they were literally just two big dudes bludgeoning each other for like three minutes straight i absolutely love that um he ends up taking out uh luchasaurus and uh, did he did he take out somebody else i could have swore he he gave like a big power bomb to
1: he did he did like a weird drill claw onto someone i forgot yeah it might have
0: been darby allen who came back up i think darby allen actually like recovered and yeah i
1: remember he like laid darby allen on a ladder and then
0: oh he did yes he just kind of threw threw him like ragdolled him to the outside yeah
1: god that he he hit the other ladder because if you if you if you land on that ladder onto the ground that would have been a very unpleasant landing that yeah
0: it looks scary he just flung him dude like yeah. with all his strength and might just flung the poor poor little Darby Allen to the outside that, and he literally crashed and burned. So then after that, uh, Cage scaled up the ladder. Um yeah, they call it the the drill claw is uh yeah, what what they claw. call it. So actually he did uh, before that the powerbomb was in fact to Luchasaurus before Darby Allen ended okay. up trying to give one last little string. So yeah, he takes out Luchasaurus with the powerbomb. Darby Allen gives one last attempt at trying to fight off this this monster he gets destroyed and flung to the outside with the drill claw and then taz uh shows up and is yelling at brian cage to basically win and he does and he he gets the world title opportunity and i guess taz is going to be his manager going forward what role that's going to what role that's going to be i have no idea but I'm sure it might be like a human suplex machine type deal where, you know, I mean, Brian Cage throws some pretty mean suplexes. That's something Taz was known for in his mm-hmm. prime. So maybe that'll be it. Taz will probably be like a coach, similar to like how Jake Roberts is for Lance Archer or and like Aaron Anderson. Uh, Anderson for Cody. We'll see where it goes. But this is interesting. That's This match was all about putting Brian Cage over when he got in there. He got the last entrant. He killed everybody before getting buried. And then he rose from his burial destroyed a giant Luchasaurus, and then basically murdered Darby Allin to win. So, like, this match was all about making him seem like a big deal, and I think it did that pretty darn good. That was the goal of the match, and I'd say they achieved it. They put him over huge. Oh, yeah,
1: he's definitely someone to keep a lookout for. So... He's he's magnificent.
0: So, it was uh, confirmed in the press conference after the show, but I thought they were going to save Cage and his world title shot... Uh, In the future for the next pay-per-view, which would be probably in August, but it's happening before that. He's going to get his shot at the title at Fighter Fest. They're going to do another one of those, and they will announce the date of that particular show on Dynamite this Wednesday. So yes, for me we do the old uh, we do the the thumbs up and down rule. We can do double thumbs down, double thumbs up, thumbs in the middle, all that sort of stuff. For me, this gets a good one thumb up. I give it one solid thumb up. How about you, Gabe? And do you have any final uh, analysis for this casino ladder match for the the portions that you've seen? I guess I could
1: give it uh, a thumb. I want to say half, but I feel like that's too generous because my only gripe is that not everyone got the spotlight even like example kazarian and scorpio sky were there after like five minutes like they nah. weren't really seen on that much so yeah it's, it wasn't really utilizing the the whole uh set of nine competitors because i think sometimes not uh, six people are too much for a ladder match um but nine is a little too much and this i mean the whole concept is interesting where it's a, a whole royal rumble ladder match type yeah, of two minute intervals but, but imagine like I don't know the third entrant already just getting the poker chip. What then for those next competitors? Mm-hmm. You know, so it's uh, I mean, it's still new and fresh. Um, but other than that, great high spots. I mean, uh, actually, you know, for safe,
0: right, mm, you know, for a ladder match, like it really had not not as many high spots as you would expect. Really, yeah. And but like as I said,
1: but for the high spots that did happen. Oh yes, were they memorable. were
0: they were memorable. I do remember them all. So I guess the less is more, right? I, I think I yeah, always repeat that all the time. So yeah, they they less yeah. is more.
1: Yeah. So the high spots, in my opinion, were um, when it happened, it worked. Uh, nothing went too awry, thankfully. So um, yeah, I mean everything felt just uh, professional, and um, it's just some people just didn't have to be there like if there's so many team members that showed up or, or allies like this is a, a you know a nine competitor match and just more people kept coming in marco stunt and uh you know what's his name jimmy havoc and other members of best friends you know it, nine is already too much too so it's that's okay. the only reason why i won't give it a 1.5 so i guess uh I guess a one point two five thumbs
0: up. <laughs> yeah, me, i give it a solid one thumb. Like like it was a very good match. It just it, it, it never peaked and ended up being great, in my opinion. Like I mean, solid as, opener though. Oh like, solid opener for sure. Definitely yeah. solid opener. But like like it's it it not not really like I've seen much better multi man ladder matches.
1: Yeah, you know? much more organized, mm. you know, too, so
0: Oh, yep, yeah, so that was that. And then we ended up getting MJF versus Jungle Boy. And boy, do I have a lot to say about this match. And all <laughs> positive, by the way. So, MJF, who is still undefeated in AEW, takes on Jungle Boy. And these are two young wrestlers who are AEW exclusive talents, who AEW is clearly going to invest on in the future. And this was their opportunity to really take being on a pay per view and knock it out of the park and show the world what they can do and I believe they did that. If there did was He a...
1: has a program going on before this.
0: He um MJF has basically been bullying Marco Stunt of uh, uh Jurassic Express and Jungle Boy's basically like like standing up for the little brother type deal is kind of what's All been right. going on there. So And they, they kind of just kind of like... It's only been built up in like the last two, three weeks maybe. Like it was kind of oh, less built probably. than some of the other, other matches on the card. But yeah, MJF started calling out Marco Stunt and kind of bullying him because he, he's small, you see. And uh, Jungle Boy was kind of fighting for the honor of his uh, Jurassic Express partner. So uh, they did a bunch of like fantastic grappling <laughs> within like the first, I would say five to ten minutes just exchanging arm drags, exchanging holds. Very old school for two guys that are, like, early 20s that would have been born, like, in, in the mid-90s. Like, they're younger than me, both of these guys, okay? They're younger than me, for, for crying out loud. I think I think Jungle Boy is 22, and MJF's, like, 23. So, for them to be doing, like, that style of, of wrestling, like you would see from, I, I would say... Like that's when, like in the late '80s, early '90s, that more athletic style was starting to become a thing in America. A lot of guys were doing it then, and they were just doing that style. You know, tons of it was. It was like a. Have I, if I had to like compare it to anything, it was like how Ricky Steamboat, his best matches were laid out and doing like big arm drags and, and counters into holds and this, that, and the other. So eventually, MJF starts getting overwhelmed because Jungle Boy's one hundred 100 out grappling him, and he fakes a knee injury. <laughs> And as the referee is trying to keep Jungle Boy away and checking on him and all that, uh, MJF leaps up and attacks the baby face from behind. And after this, he ends up uh, taking out Jungle Boy's left arm and he works it over because (laughs) MJF's finish is called the Salt of the Earth and it is basically a Fujiwara armbar submission. That's how he mainly gets his wins is using that, Uh, unless he's like getting a cheap win by either using a weapon or you know, rolling somebody up on a fluke.
1: Does he not do the uh, the rope-hung uh, pile driver anymore?
0: Not much. I haven't really right. seen it in AEW, so... <laughs> uh, okay.
1: I mean, before AEW, I did see him in the indies. I even, like, held his scarf for an indie show when I was doing Ring Crew. But um, I remember his finisher would be the uh, rope-hung pile driver. So, I yeah, I haven't seen it that much either. Yeah, I haven't really seen I it in AEW.
0: Mm, you're wondering what?
1: I was just wondering if he still did
0: it. So I haven't see seen it. it. At all. <laughs> I have not seen it. But So Jungle Boy ends up uh, being a courageous babyface and he completely fights his way back into the match. And he starts making a comeback. And then MGF starts getting flustered again. Then they decide to have a chop contest. So they just start chopping each other. And he each take it. They they dare the other to chop them. They take it and they deliver a more vicious chop to the other. And this went on for a bit and uh so the action ends up spilling to the outside and jungle boy is like firing like on a cylinder like seth rollins does he just does a bunch of like topes outside and catches mjf with like two straight and then he ends up taking a gigantic um like what what do they call it senton he leaped over the yeah. top rope he did, and he did two
1: uh, suicide dives and then a tope con hilo.
0: Yeah, yeah, he did the two, he did the two like suicide dives and then he did the big jump over the top rope where he kind of lands on his back on on MJF. So yeah, he, he flip. Mm, so he did that and uh, so they end up getting back in the ring and MJF ended up. Uh, chopping at uh jungle boy's injured arm the arm he'd been working on for a while and then he uh caught him in the throat with a kind of like a a strike and then jungle boy ends up answering this by bouncing off the ropes and hitting a super kick followed by everybody's favorite uh what what should i call it everybody's favorite transitional spot the destroyer pd
1: williams
0: (laughs) yeah yeah pd williams would be so disappointed It's, (laughs)
1: it's that... <laughs> oh my god! I had I can like write an essay about how the Canadian destroyer is such a like disgraceful move now because it was such a great finisher. Now, yes,
0: it's a transition it's spot everywhere. that looks cool now. That's all it is. It never finishes matches. It's just to look cool in the middle of a match, and that's, that's so sad because <laughs> that flip pile driver used to be the most devastating move in all of wrestling. When and PD- it's yeah,
1: kind of scary to take too. Like you're gonna have to do a backflip and then land on your like shoulders if you think about it if you're taking the damn move yeah well, was a scary move well thankfully everybody in
0: wrestling these days happens to be super athletic so they can do it but like <laughs> my god it's just another it's just a move it's like a suplex it's, isn't that sad yeah, exactly it's really sad <laughs> it's just every time i see it i just i go oh i remember when this move used to matter and it doesn't anymore so that's sad so but anyway jungle boy ends up again out grappling mjf to the mat and he gets him in a cross face. But he holds it for so long that his injured arm ends up giving out, and MJF is able to escape. They fight to the ring apron, and <laughs> this is this was freaking scary. But I think MJF was fine. He sold it like death because really it looked like a deadly move. It always does, but it, it particularly looks devastating on a, a freaking ring apron. He took a reverse oh, Rana, on, pretty much to the back the of his head. On may I may I point out the hardest part of the ring. What are we called on this podcast? recalled I uh, we apron just got an apron, apron bump bam uh, we got one on this pay-per-view i'm pretty sure it was the only one i, I might have to apron
1: bump i think it was the I
0: only one but we did say we would bring it up on the next show we reviewed this was in fact yep. an apron bump and i thought it was very effective mjf sold this like he got a concussion
1: as soon as he took it he just you know did the comedic like stand up onto the like and, and then it fall on his back it was it. like rick yeah. flair
0: selling <laughs> <laughs>
1: pretty and much that just indicated like oh, okay he's fine even though it looked like he died like, yeah yeah oh but you know
0: it's comical like heel selling was like oh, okay he's yeah. selling it like he would if he didn't get hurt all right but we're the good
1: impact of it just oh my it God. did look
0: scary <laughs> i will say that but i you're, think everybody's you're driving mm. the,
1: you're driving the back of your head onto the apron you know and it's just It's just scary to take, and he's he's just fine with it on the apron
0: too. Oh my god! It's a scary enough move to take in the middle of the ring, but like or on the floor, but it's especially bad because that like the apron's kind of thin. Like this, that's a there's not a lot of room for error in that little space. That's hard, you know. Like it's just it's, but you know, a lot of guys do stuff there now, and that's that's just how it is. So Jungle Boy ends up taking big time advantage of this, and he rolls a dazed MJF back into the ring. Of course, MJF grabs onto the referee, who uh, ends up hitting the ropes as Jungle Boy tries to ascend onto the top rope. So it ends up crotching him on the top. Um, So a sunset flip bomb from the top rope by a recovered Jungle Boy ends up getting hit. And they again trade uh, some near falls. And MJF ends up elbowing the shoulder of his opponent, looking for, again, his submission maneuver. He tries to get MJF into, again, the salt of the earth. And then they end up trading um, a series of, like, uh, cradles and roll-ups. And then MJF is able to snag just the the luckiest little clutch of a small package to win in the end and and scrape out a win. It's still kind of clean, but it's still like he... I don't know... it was, it was an interesting finish. Like I don't think he used the tights. He just kind of got him in a small package and, and pinned him. I don't well, think. What's I, I
1: funny is in those series of like pins, he did use tights at first, and then Jungle Boy used tights. But in the end, he, uh, what's his name, MJF, just got that um, small package. Yeah. So
0: I suppose like like the match ended in the same way it began, except on the opposite. So Jungle Boy won the exchange of grappling at the beginning of the match, but when they went back to it again, MJF ended up winning, when it mattered. <laughs> so uh, I thought this was absolutely fantastic. Everything about this match I love. This is the type of wrestling... This is the wrestling-style match I love to watch. It's just, it was so old-school. And what was more shocking about it to me was the fact that how young these guys are to work that particular style where it wasn't soup. The only real modern thing about it was the, the Destroyer, and you heard me bitch about that. I complained about it already. But other than that, there wasn't any... Oh, and the, the, I guess the reverse Rana. The reverse yeah. Rana was a little, like, extreme, too. But... Like, aside from those two moves, this was a very basic old-school wrestling match in in every sense of the term. Like, the heel worked over, took the advantage, worked over the arm, beat it up, and tried to get his submission. Couldn't get it, couldn't get it. The resilient babyface fought back, got a couple comebacks, kept winning on the, the grappling exchanges, and then in the end, when they went back to the grappling, the heel got lucky and ended up snagging a pin. I love this match. If there was a crowd for this match... I think a- everybody would be, only, like, talking about how, like, fantastic it was.
1: That was my only, like, issue with it. I, I mean, I know I told you at first, like, oh, man, they're targeting the arm and all, but I look back, I'm like, wait, this is pretty a good, a really good match, but if there was a crowd, I bet I would have liked it even more. Oh, dude. Because the whole crowd would have been invested from point A to point B of this entire
0: Definitely. match. Definitely. They'd, they'd pop for Jungle Boy's comeback. They would have booed everything MJF would have done. Like the, the 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 reaction for the dives into the the top rope halo, like the reaction to the the reverse rana and the the, the sunset flip power bomb, you know, like I, just I know there's
1: the crowd right now, but it's you know it doesn't feel like a, a sincere crowd. I feel like they're still in character, and I get that because mm-hmm. they're still on camera. But yeah, them having a, a crowd just doesn't. It doesn't really sit right, but it's better than nothing, you know? So Yeah,
0: but to me, it's still like, that's just plants, right? Like, it's, that's not yeah, a real audience. I just
1: think it's like background noise, like it's a helicopter flying over my house, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, so it's not a real crowd. And in front of a real crowd, this match would be even more gloriously talked about. I still thought it was fantastic. I thought, for the longest time, for the rest of the show, this was my match of the night. And then we'll get to what maybe outseated it at the end. But as far as like a traditional wrestling match between the ropes... Uh, this even blew away Seth and Drew from Money in the Bank. I think this blew away, uh, Rhea and Charlotte from WrestleMania. This to me was awesome and really should be, it's unfortunate that it might not be, but this should really be considered a career defining performance for both MJF and Jungle Boy to pretty much steal the show on a national pay-per-view event.
1: Yeah, I think this is, a. yeah, I think this might be the... I guess post-pandemic wrestling match to follow. Yes, like
0: like an actual wrestling match, like like stuff that's edited and put together like like cinematic or like like these movie matches that mm-hmm. they've been doing, like those are a different thing, right? Like they can't yes. really be graded on the same thing as like a traditional match that takes place in the ropes. Like we're not going to rate the Boneyard match like we would uh Rhea and Charlotte for example, right? Of so course. like when we get to the main event, we can't really consider it like the matches that took place before it because it was so it was done in a way different way that wrestling usually isn't for, you know, it's just different. Right. So, uh, I think this was a superbly wrestled match. Every spot literally meant something. I've never seen psychology so good with so guy, two guys that are so young. If anything, this match just proved that this company's got a future <laughs> with its talent. Oh, yes. They've got a, a ton of just aspiring talent. That's just waiting to blossom and, and, and bloom and, and these guys are on the way, and I hope that this becomes like a, a long term feud. Like we've seen Steve Austin and The Rock go back at it. We've seen Ric Flair and Ricky Steamboat go back at it. Well, who is another we've seen Cena and Punk go back at it. What are some uh you know this could be like just the chemistry on display here needs to be redone in the future and be redone when they have an audience again. I think this could be the beginning of a long special rivalry between MJF and Jungle Boy in the Ring.
1: This is giving me like a bit of a bait versus uh uh
0: Pete Dunne feel for
1: the UK title. Oh
0: yeah, through. where they just work like pros and you you're like blown away no by how story, young they are.
1: Yeah, no story at all. They're so young and they just work like pros like like they've been in the business for years or like decades I mean. So <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. It's it, so that's that's what I felt uh like looking back at the uh, Jungle Boy MJF match just shades
0: of uh Dunn and bait yeah it was it was pretty much it and and right second wasn't uh, it was early on the card for that show too that Dunn and bait had oh that yes. match. yeah right
1: after the um i forgot what match but it, it was, was pretty it, early
0: on yeah it was like second match of the card just like this one and yeah so for me automatic two thumbs up two uh, glowing yeah. thumbs up for for this match easily
1: two thumbs if i had a third
0: you'd um, give it <laughs> yeah. yeah yes yeah. So, that was fantastic stuff. So, then we move on to, oh boy, the finals for the TNT Championship. Cody against Lance Archer. This has been built up for weeks. We knew this is where, when the tournament was announced and the bracket was announced, we knew going in that this would be the final. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, predictability isn't always bad in wrestling. It was building to this big match between Cody and Archer. So, Mike Tyson comes out with the TNT title and... (laughs) I know on commentary as the (laughs) man, I know, I know it's so bad, but so on commentary, they reassured us that, well, you know, gold's hard to really be making stuff with right now, but there will be eventually gold plates put on this belt. That's my least of my worries. I I didn't care so much about the silver plates. It's that fucking red strap. That's what made it look toy-like and ugly and very, I don't want to say very WWE, but that's a very WWE looking fucking belt in the worst way. Like when WWE designed stupid fucking belts to sell for toys. I'm sorry, is that's it?
1: A... I think I think it's worse than that.
0: You really think, think it's worse than that, eh? So you no, think it's worse than the 24/7 belt cuz that's what it seems like to me.
1: Okay, well, the 24/7 belt, that's it's the whole gimmick of that is supposed to be like, oh, it's a, you know, it's a comedic, you know, belt because it's it doesn't have that much pristine and gloss that, you know, the let's say the the world championship yeah. or even the you know tag team belt although the they,
0: they they fucking for no reason redesigned the intercontinental title and it looks more hideous now than the fucking white style
1: it, it does but it does have some like glitz and design on it so um i, I get, i'll give it that but this belt it looks like i think i told you this like over text that it's it looks like a cut like a regular belt you could
0: buy at, like, <laughs> at an indie at, at an indie at, event. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Or here's another one though. Like I remember I went to like party city or like a, a Halloween store. You could buy like championship belts there, like gimmick championship belts with no like promotion on them. That's what it looks like. If you take out the TNT on, uh, letters on it, cause it's, it's, it's horrible. And it kind of looks like the weird classic big Eagle, wwe belt if you see like the little size of the main plate but it's Mm. but it's it still looks horrible like the size of it the the, circle the the
0: circular front doesn't like (laughs) just
1: and the silver and red just it i didn't ever it never sat right with me with the raw tag belt so i don't think that
0: well uh, again allegedly they're going to be replaced with gold in the future but still yeah
1: that's understandable it's just i hope they replace that red strap they're
0: not or i hope so too but uh i don't know are we the only ones who really bitched about it or has there been big no, complaints everyone, about it i checked I okay checked
1: twitter as soon as like that belt was revealed and then even the next day everyone's just talking no, no one's agreeing with how this belt looks and even commentary ditched like it's design before it was revealed so it's everyone knows that this belt is to not be loved it's so it's just a placeholder and i feel like they should have they should have just, like, had a placeholder, in my opinion. Just, just a different name. Uh, just no belt. Just the name. If they were going to go this far. Or a trophy. I don't know. Just not this belt. Uh, they, after... want,
0: they want Cody to carry something for a few weeks. They want him to show a championship it's... on television, right? So it's like, yeah, eh, whatever. well,
1: whatever. Uh, well, a championship that looks like, like, I don't know, a Walmart raw tag belt. Sure, <laughs> I guess so. If Cody can make it look good, why not, right?
0: Uh, he'll try and make it look good, but I don't think so. So, like, that already kind of took me out of this thing. So they end up, uh, they, they both kind of stare <laughs> down. The referee tells them to shake hands. And I can't remember if they did or not, but they the referee is like, Oh, you shake hands. We were bitching bitching about the fucking belt design. I just remember the ref going, oh, shake hands. Oh,
1: my God. If they don't know that red doesn't look good on the universal title, what gave them this damn idea that it'll look good on their TNT belt? That's all I got to say. That's it. I'm done. So
0: Yeah. So, like, before the match, Lance beats up, like, an AEW crew member. He keeps doing this every week where he tosses them at a gorilla, and then he beats the shit out of them in the ring and throws them out of the ring. So he did that, I guess, to put over how like mean and tough he is. So in the beginning, Archer completely dominates Cody, and he targets. He Started
1: his... with a finisher, I think. So. Oh, did he actually do that? Yeah. Oh, yes,
0: he did because he, he he gave. Uh, uh, he was it that that, that big like I, I shouldn't call it a razor's edge type move, but like he did like
1: a crucifix. Yeah. Like, driver.
0: And something. he he did that. He did it to Cody on the floor. By the way.
1: It's like a one-wing angel, yeah like, as a
0: crucifix. Mm-hmm. So he so did that to Cody, then he ends up dominating him afterwards, because Cody just took a fucking finish to the outside, so of course it's going to be hurt. Uh, in, in the context of the match, I mean. I mean, it probably did hurt to take, too. But, uh, so he, uh, Cody ends up, uh... I guess he threw uh, Archer into the uh, ring post. Oh, no, no, it's Archer threw Cody into the post and kept damaging Cody over time, and, uh... So, or Cody ends up getting the upper hand very, very briefly uh, on the outside, but then Archer is able to haunt it. Uh, uh, I stop it, I should say, halt it. Haunt it. Jesus Christ, I, I can't speak tonight. He halted Cody's onslaught, and this time he actually threw him over the turnbuckle and into the stands. So, he, he, he's, he basically went past the guardrails. So. Uh, He started overwhelming Cody big time and he punished him with a a, a barrage of shots and, you know, rights and lefts. And then, uh, (laughs) I guess the cameraman got a little too close and ended up getting hit with a shot from Archer himself and he got knocked down. So again, he sends Cody into the guardrail. Cody tried to fire up, but Archer just snuffed it out again. They go back in the ring. Cody applies a, a... cross face using archer's hair so that's how he was pulling back on him and he had his like arm around archer's face um archer got to the ropes uh forced to break jake roberts then uh did a bit of a distraction uh but it was ineffective as cody was able to catch archer with a ddt in front of jake to kind of like send a message but it didn't really send that great of a message because a ddt much like the destroyer is just a transition spot. So Archer was uh, very easily able to kick out of that move. Um, So Archer ends up delivering a huge spine buster in return because of course Arn Anderson is also at ringside. That was a shot to him. Um, Cody was able to bounce back and deliver his big springboard cutter that he does off the top rope. Infinitely better than John Cena's uh, springboard stunner from uh, five years ago, I think. So, Uh, Archer then kicked out at one. What have we talked about? Those surprising kickouts at one that have been happening. There was another one that happened on the show too that we'll get to. And he uh, this forced Cody to pull out all of Dusty's trademark offense with the the flip-flop and fly into the bionic elbow. And then he actually pulled out the final reckoning, which is a move made famous by his uh, elder brother Dustin. And then he hit crossroads on Archer. But again, Archer was able to kick out. And then uh, Cody did a call to Sting. He did the big woo call out with his hands stinger and, flash. and did the Stinger Splash. And then Archer ended up following up and he he practically no-sold it and gave Cody a chokeslam. And then later on, Arne Anderson was able to get involved as I guess the referee was distracted with Jake. And he, I, I think he ended up like what he pulled, he knocked a, archer off the top rope there were a few times where archer went for undertakers like it looked he like old school to old me school. twice
1: yeah, he, did, he did some weird tight rope stuff mm. i don't know I feel like it. it's not very monster like to do but well, undertaker you know. does it oh yeah it's undertaker it, it's old school but i mean for a big monster heel you know you're gonna beat the crap out of like some some job or every entrance you know you're gonna do your type rope like like i don't know balance it stick on on your opponent? I don't know. So he ended up trying to go...
0: Yeah, he ended up trying to go for this for Cody for like the second or third time. And uh, basically Arn knocked him off. And uh, Jake... or Another referee from nowhere came out and actually ratted out Arn to the ref who was actually... That was
1: really interesting. I've never seen that in wrestling uh, in a while or at all.
0: So this this douchebag snitch referee is like, Arn's a big cheater. Ah," And the ref throws him out, and then, for whatever reason, Jake just got thrown out. So I guess the referee is like, well, if I'm getting rid of one coach, I'm getting rid of the other two.
1: Yeah, what, what, what was the point of that? Like, you
0: know, Especially I'm... because Jake didn't listen, he came out two seconds later with the snake again.
1: Yeah, oh my god.
0: <laughs> but, I mean, he only came out with the snake so that Mike Tyson could take his shirt off and show how great a shape he's in for almost being 60. Oh
1: yeah, he's... he's... He's still in shape. Holy crap. So that worked on me.
0: (laughs) So that's really the only reason Jake came back out was so he could be threatened by a very impressive looking uh, Mike Tyson. But uh, back inside, Cody is able to not suffer the blackout, which is Archer's finish. He made sure not to get caught with that. And he countered into a bunch of consecutive crossroads and he got the win. And I said for sure that he would end up being, the first ever TNT champions or yep, TNT champion probably, on the prediction probably, because, ago. because why on. wouldn't you put the belt on Cody? He's, I mean, Archer's a new acquisition, he's being established, but he isn't the star, the magnitude of Cody Rhodes. So, it that that belt means more being on Cody than it does Lance Archer, right? That's what I think. So, to me, this match kind of went a little long, it wasn't anything bad. It was fine for what it was, but, like, it definitely wasn't of the quality of the two matches that were previous to this, in my opinion. I think there was
1: too many shenanigans. Yeah, it, there was definitely and overbooked gonna, to gonna, a degree. A final, like, you know, tournament, like, match should have, like, you're gonna end it off on just, you know, so many, like weird mishaps like okay there's going to be referee is going to snitch and then there's going to mm-hmm. be trainers
0: doing their stuff sh- and then and then there's Mike Tyson why is he here <laughs> Not, but to mention the few camera shots to him with his reaction to the match actually made this match a little more entertaining
1: Oh, man. He His was facial yawning. expressions. <laughs> he yawned for one shot, and I was laughing. I I, I texted you guys as soon as I saw yeah. that shot. I'm like, wow, Mike Tyson is actually feeling how I'm feeling right now to this match.
0: Yeah, which to me, the, I mean, I, I can't say it, it wasn't bad. Like, there was nothing oh, no, bad about this match.
1: Bad, but it's, it's supposed to be the finals for a tournament for the brand new prestigious, beautiful looking TNT Well, to be oh. fair,
0: this kind of match was slightly doomed the second I seen that belt. So you know what?
1: Yeah, I was about to ask you, do you think the design ruined the like potential of the match with our viewership? No, was,
0: like, no, because like if they were gonna steal the show, they would have done it regardless, despite how shitty that belt looked. To me was, it, it was at the, at
1: the SummerSlam match with uh Finn Balor and That was still like, better than this.
0: I thought Balor's what? match mm.
1: But the crowd was just they kept chanting about how bad they i think
0: that was a benefit to these guys because the crowd would have booed that fucking belt if they were there dude they would have boo that fucking belt something fierce so these guys are lucky there was no crowd there to boo that fucking belt and shit on their match but like it was a fine affair it thumbs in the middle nothing real special but nothing too bad just a mid-card match where cody got a big win and i mean at least it had the right result that's all i can really say about it right yeah thumb in the middle for me too um, like, t- Cody showed great intensity and he's a great babyface and Archer played his bully role well as the heel and maybe maybe this feud will continue and maybe they'll have a better match uh, down the line. But, like...
1: I was about to ask, what's next for for Archer after this? What do you I think? don't know, maybe she, he just keeps feuding with...
0: Long. I don't know, maybe he keeps feuding with Cody or he or he just gets rehabbed in the midcard like somebody else who we'll talk about <laughs> Ooh, coming okay. up. Yeah, Ooh. so... Okay. Wow. <laughs> But yeah, so that'll that'll be something going forward. Next, we had Chris Statlander versus Penelope Ford, and you know this match was originally supposed to be Britt Baker against Chris Statlander. However, Britt Baker suffered a unfortunate injury on Dynamite this week, and the word going into uh, Wednesday's Dynamite, uh, Brandon posted this in our chat uh, to let us know before we went where uh, we started this recording. But it's um, she's supposed to be out six to eight weeks so what's her injury again it's like it's like a slight torn pcl and a partial mm. break of the kneecap and wow another a tear of them a slight tear of the meniscus it's like three different sl- injuries to the uh, knee
1: another like seth rollins predicament i'm guessing
0: yeah but like she's still not gonna miss as much time six to eight weeks ain't six to eight months oh so, yeah that's yeah, but I mean that's just that's just, that's just early word. It could even be worse, and it could be revealed as something completely different on Wednesday. But Brandon said like the word right now is that she's going to miss six to eight weeks, which is pretty much like that's about two to what two months of action she's going to miss. It's a lot better yeah, than I fucking missing so, yeah. uh, nine months. I'll tell you that much. So if that is the the case, she's really lucky because injuring your knee usually sets you back for a really long time. Look at Tommaso oh, yeah. Ciampa at the diy split after they lost to authors of pain i'm sure i think it was a knee injury right that he suffered
1: it was a a knee injury because i think it was a live event that he suffered it and then he still went
0: on yeah and made it worse
1: he made it very well he still carried the show on which is you know admirable
0: and all but but... he hurt his knee worse and the, the recovery was a lot longer because of that ladder match he made it worse competing in that without question like him and johnny did this ridiculous like dual dive off of like ladders yeah. on the aop and he landed on his knee from a ladder a number of times and i think because he was out you're gonna be
1: bumping on your knees a lot yeah oh, oh yeah. yeah
0: to catch yourself to brace yourself and land because properly
1: these are like one of the strongest parts to brace its impact so it's just sucky mm. to have an injury there so, and
0: i swear he was out for like nine months when seth blew oh, it. it was so long yeah
1: it was so long
0: yeah, so if Seth blew out his knee, he was out for like nine months. So if she's only missing two to three, well, she got lucky, in, as far as I'm concerned, mm. you know. So this was match... She mm. with Chris Lanander? um, She was just on TV, uh, cutting promos and building her character up. So they didn't really have much of a feud, per se, but Statlander is in the top three for the women. And I think it was designed that they could have a match and Britt would get a win on pay-per-view. Because they've been using her as a consistent character on television. So while there wasn't much of a feud, Chris Statlander is higher in the rankings in AEW storylines. So therefore, Britt beating her on pay-per-view would be a big win for Britt. I think was the idea here, but she got hurt and didn't get to compete. So um, Statlander early on works over uh, Penelope with a bunch of um, uh, with a bunch of strikes, a bunch of kicks, and then Kip Sabian actually came out with Penelope and he was on crutches and. Looked like a fake cast and he looked all banged up and you know i don't remember him taking any near as bad spots as say fucking darby allen did i don't think he was on crutches oh, back yeah. i don't think he was on crutches backstage but he's not a heel so of course kip's uh, hamming up the fact that he was in a ladder match um that was
1: in a kind of a sour taste to be honest
0: to have all those crutches and all that so <laughs> i don't know it just makes him a chicken chip heel who relies on his girlfriend now he's on crutches and being a prick you know he'll work he'll work my friends I didn't, it didn't bother me too much and I mean he was there to basically take a statlander dive as she kind of did a tope to both of them to the outside uh, back uh, inside they they wrestle some more Ford ends up taking over and ends up actually delivering a really beautiful hurricane Rana from the top rope I give her credit for that because it actually looked really good looked more smooth than anything private party did on the the buy-in and then um, she looked to to go for a cutter, but Statlander ended up catching her and delivered a pretty pretty nice vertical suplex. And then the big bang. What was she called? The Bing bang theory. What's the name of her finish? This is my first
1: Chris Statlander match, so I was gonna tell you my whole spiel, but yeah, I don't. Well, we'll don't... go into we'll
0: go into the spiel, but she hit her finish on on Penelope and. Got to win. The, actually, that the for they're they're both pretty green, but they're both like have gymnast backgrounds, so they can do a lot of athletic stuff. And there was nothing that got fucked up in this match. Like nothing looked bad. Nothing looked uh like awkward or mistimed. Like it it, it was good. But that's all you can say about it is it was well, good.
1: In my opinion, like. Yeah, but it's still
0: thumbs in the middle. I'll give that fucking grade right now. It was very much uh, thumbs in the middle. Um, you know, but now, thumbs in the middle because of because of what. Because of Chris, oh yeah, but I thought Penelope kind of did pretty good for being a last-minute replacement. She kind of did her stuff fine, you know. I think they both did all right.
1: I think Chris, she hits harder than a lot of women. I and she's pretty. She's got
0: a pretty fair size too. Like she's a pretty big girl. she's
1: she's a big girl. Yeah, she can really take it to to girls, and she's a. But I don't like her gimmick, like a weird. Yeah, we can we
0: can talk about that. So, and I have to mention that on commentary, I think it was a. uh shivani is like so i asked her if she likes star wars or star trek and she told me no you think somebody with a who's an alien would would like that kind of stuff but not her she says she's into different types of space or like real space i'm like yeah like the fucking Andromeda galaxy or whatever the fuck she's from i don't know that's just a little too hammy it's a little this too goofy. This feels
1: like 80s WWF, in my opinion. Not even
0: I'm worse than that, dude. Like this is like like the worst of the indies right here. Really, <laughs> really? I well, think so. This is like this is like bad. Indies, this is like bad Chikara level shit. Okay, like with ah. fucking mascots wrestling each other. Okay, like that's a, that's the vibes I get from this. Like the boops and the the big the deathly point of the finger. Like what's this? The finger poke of doom? Like I I don't know. I I mean she is a great athlete. She's got a future. Oh, that's what's
1: catching my eye right now? Like she, I she's got good
0: offense. Her kicks fucking sounded like they sucked. They connected.
1: Stiff as hell.
0: They oh were stiff God. as hell. It, it looked fine. Both women did fine. But the gimmick is just a. It's I would just not my cup of tea, dude. I won't lie. I find yeah, it too hokey.
1: I'm just wondering, did that work in the indies? Because I did hear about her when a uh, a friend of mine, his wife had the biggest match of her of a lifetime against chris statlander and i'm like who's chris statlander like, oh an alien gimmick did it work in other promotions it's not working for me so i'm just wondering if this if it's gonna go far for her like
0: what it probably won't next? she's probably gonna have to ditch it and just be herself i or... think she should
1: i i don't know i'm not buying it she's touching everyone's noses like yeah the boop.
0: the boop the yeah, boop for so. fuck's sake it's, it's too much, and it, I think it needs to be dropped, but you know what? They're going to try it. I mean, they're still continuing with the Dark Order, and we'll get to them, and so, yeah, so that's very much thumbs in the middle, but it, it was fine. Nobody messed anything up, and we're getting to something next that was far worse than this, so... We'll go on to that because next was Dustin Rhodes versus Sean Spears. and I've never felt more uncomfortable of an AEW match than this. <laughs> this was all sorts of bad. So, um, a suit-clad Sean Spears looking pretty good. Like he he was the miscast member of Evolution standing there in the ring. <laughs> he, he's, he's confident that Dustin Rhodes is retired for good and he will not be appearing for his scheduled match. But since it is a scheduled match and was supposed to happen he demands that the referee call for the bell but before this he did the old heel shtick where they talk shit about the babyface. they had their music play but it was the heel who orchestrated it so when the fucking music stops they, they gloat about how oh y'all bought it you know he did that whole thing and then the, as he asks the uh, referee to ring the bell and, and count Dustin out Dustin's music hits again and Sean goes hey I only told you idiots to cue that one time why are you playing it again but then he sees Brandy come out, and they have a, a bit of a standoff. And then, of course, it, it it poses just perfectly where you can see Dustin Rhodes appear from behind him, like out of frame, but he just kind of appears behind Sean Spears. And then Spears turns around, and Dustin just pummels him. But then Dustin keeping up with this perv thing that he's been doing on pay-per-view, he kissed freaking Jake Hager's wife at Revolution, and now he stripped really? a man. Yeah, dude! He, she was, she was yelling at uh, Dustin through most of the match with Jake Hager. And then he just kind of, I think she like tried to hold him in place so that Jake could, uh, could hit him. And then he ended up escaping and fighting off Jake. And then he just planted a wet one on Jake Hager's wife. And the, the crowd cheered. It's like, I'm pretty sure that's like assault. <laughs> you
1: definitely know? sexual assault yeah right? so and, but know, wrestling whoa. yeah wrestling is
0: in wrestling it's fine but now he fucking he takes out sean spears and he starts ripping and tearing off his suit and exposing him and he fucking either accidentally pulled too hard on the underpants or did it on purpose and it exposed fucking sean spears ass to the pay-per-view audience and you
1: know, when, how long has he done this like weird cnn gimmick
0: yeah, it's like it uh, since time. since quarantine, since like really? March, yeah. That's, since
1: that's kind of sad. Yeah, I'm not liking it. Yeah, it's, it's
0: it's it's it is what it is. And then so he starts acting like a a, a goofus, and he's having his ass showing, and he looks like a fucking geek. And then of course he ends up pulling his underwear back up so it can cover his ass fully. But then the camera takes a close shot of his his manager tully blanchard's face on the fucking crotch of his underwear like 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 right in the fucking penis spot and they zoom in on it and then it it, fucking sean spears gives up the goofiest like dork face ever as if he's just been shown that he's got his mentor's fucking face on his penis area of his underwear and then he gets in the ring dustin hits his finish and it's over this uh, fucking thumbs down (laughs) big time thumbs down
1: it sounds like a, an attitude era angle, for just for laughs. It did and it
0: did nothing but like make Sean Spears look like a goofball, though.
1: You know, props to WWE for not making you know Ty Dillinger look like a you know a goof, like a whole a whole loser is what Sean Spears. I don't
0: remember like. the Perfect Ten mm-hmm. ever like having his ass exposed on on takeovers. I don't remember no. him ever having like like a fucking person's face on his dick that he's like embarrassed about having there. But so why'd you put it there? Well, I guess he never expected to get fucking scatted down by Dustin. I don't think you know, anybody expects the, that no, going into is, a match. No, always
1: had Tully Blanchard in his, like, underpants and everything. Uh, <laughs> I guess it's
0: always been there. It's just, it's finally, <laughs> Dustin exposed it to his dismay. But yeah, this this was... um, I figured Dustin was going to win. It was going to give him a rebound after Lance Archer basically made him his bitch in the weeks leading up to the show. But, like, I mean, Sean Spears fucking... Yeah. I don't even want to say buried but like he looked like a goober dude like a complete fucking comedy goofball
1: did dustin need this like comedic win like well it doesn't really help
0: much because it was a comedic win right like it's a win on pay-per-view but like but it's like
1: already has all these like accolades and like even comedic wins already under his belt so what did this do for dustin
0: and especially what did this do for sean spears So yeah, this was nothing than than stupid comedy and a heel getting his comeuppance for an angle they started on Wednesday. So like, where was the the investment?
1: You know how excited I was for him to feud with Cody, Sean Spears. Like, I thought that was awesome with the whole chair shit because you know he accidentally bled Cody's head wide open and then man, that got dropped uh, quick, eh? It yeah, it, it, you know he's still considered the chairman somehow, you know so. What's he going to be known as? Like, what, Tully Dick or something? Yeah,
0: yeah, fucking or, fucking Pants McGantz. I don't know. Like, I don't
1: know. This is, this is horrible. This is this bad. Is He's going to need some big-time rehabbing.
0: People are not going to take him seriously for a long time after this shit. So, yeah, so, yeah big-time thumbs down. Big-time <laughs> thumbs down for that shit. So then it's only – we can only go up from here, right, everybody? So – after that, we had the uh, no-disqualification, no-countout match for the AEW women's title. Nyla Rose defending against Hikaru Shida. Shida, for months leading up to this match, has been winning on television. She suffered one loss in 2020. She's been winning constantly. She went into this match 9-1 and one for her 2020 record. She's only lost one time. And I think that was when she got pinned in a tag match or a, a multi-woman match. So it wasn't even one-on-one, and straight-up one-on-one, she's won. Every other match other than that, she's won. I think she's lost one tag match uh, on television in 2020. Nyla has been booked strong, but she kind of disappeared for a while, I think for, like, quarantine reasons. So she wasn't on television a whole lot, but then she came back, and she got a few wins, and before the fucking quarantine struck, she was getting booked very strongly. So going into this match, I had no idea who was going to win. This I thought maybe like like Nyla would retain because it seems kind of early to take the belt off her, but you've given Sheeta so much momentum that like she should probably win the belt with how strong you've been pushing her to this this title match. So it was pretty intriguing for me on that part. So um, Sheeta actually comes out with a, a kendo stick, and Nyla is able to take it from her and. Uh, I, I I think like she, she kind of beat down Sheeta with it, but Sheeta was able to take it away from her and, and, and throw it away. And then Sheeta ends up fighting back, and she uh, took, I guess, grounded Nyla. And uh, so this took away a bit of Nyla's strength and, and size advantage because she was basically being grounded with uh, Sheeta's strong uh, suplexes and, and all of her great wrestling offense. But the, this uh, this little uh, run by Sheeta was short lived, as the champion was able to just take her out at ringside, and she sent her thra- uh, crashing through like this poker table that was set up like outside the barricade. She just just threw this poor woman into this table. Uh, Sheeta ended up fighting back with some some great striking. Her offense looks great, but then she was overpowered and uh, dropped with a suplexus after they got back inside the ring, a clothesline then sends her uh, back down to the floor. And it was at this point that Sheeta was able to stun Nyla with a, a crossbody. And then she got up and did like a running knee to the back of, of Nyla's head. And it, they go to the up to the stands and Sheeta sends Nyla crashing into the giant poker chips with a massive hip toss. It was like this kind of like the, the setup for the stage where they were. And, and, and uh, Nyla took this big giant hip toss into uh, basically the props that were set up on the double or nothing stage. Um, Sheeta then pulls out another kendo stick and starts just waffling Nyla Rose with it, and basically said to the extent, "I found my kendo stick, bitch," in response to what Nyla had done the previous week on Dynamite by beating her down with one. So they get back inside the ring, and big, big brainbuster on the kendo stick, and this is Sheeta, by the way, gave a big brainbuster to Nyla on the kendo stick and delivered a running knee right afterwards. Uh, Nyla was able to kick out. Nyla recovers and then drapes Sheeta over the top rope and begins to climb to the top herself, where she delivers that big knee to the back of the head that she's done in pretty much all of her matches. That gets a near fall. Sheeta just barely able to get her shoulder up. Uh, the champion then teased, sending Sheeta through a table. But she, so Nyla had set up a table in the in one of the corners of the ring and was gonna like throw Sheeta through it, but Sheeta was able to fight out of this. Uh, she did not, however, fight out of a powerbomb because uh, Nyla was able to lift poor Sheeta up and powerbomb her through said table in the corner, but Sheeta was still able to kick out at two. So a Death Valley driver uh, was delivered and, uh, by Nyla, and she was able to climb to the top rope. Sheeta recovered from the Death Valley driver and threw a kendo stick at her, and she met the champion at the top rope uh, and with all the strength and might you could believe, delivered a avalanche falcon arrow from oh the God. top rope. The strength of this woman! Like, that was nuts. And that still wasn't enough to keep Nyla down. She kicked out. So, um, Sheeta, you know, went back to the well and used her running knee to try and keep uh, uh, Nyla down. And... It didn't keep her down, so she delivered another kendo stick shot to the head of Nyla Rose and did one more running knee to pin Nyla Rose and win the AEW women's title. This was very good. (laughs) This was a very good match, and I think that the stipulation really helped that they could brawl, they could fight around the arena. This stipulation was absolutely the key to this match's success. It kind of like there's a lot more tools for Nyla to use because she is a a bit green, especially in com- comparison to Hikaru Shida. And yeah. it, it it was able to let Shida use tools to kind of help with her the size disadvantage. She was able to use the tools in the match to keep Nyla at bay, but then she also relied on her legitimate, like striking and le- like her really great-looking offense and mixes with it. That they they brawled great. The the spots were well placed. I thought this was a a a very 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 good women's title match on pay per view. I-, I I thought it was very good. What are your I thoughts, Game?
1: It got I mean more invested uh, than the Chris Standlander match. So I'll I'll give it a thumbs up too.
0: Yeah, so, um, yeah, would you say, like, um, yeah, it was definitely, it was a million times better, it was a lot better than, uh, the uh, Chris Statlander match, but there, that, but there was a title on the line and a big stipulation, a heart, pretty much a no-holds-barred stipulation to the match. Yeah, this
1: held more, like, promise than the TNT showdown,
0: in my opinion, like, it, Oh, this, this oh, dude,
1: championship match than the TNT title. This was
0: a far better title match than the uh, TNT title match. You know what? Now that I look back on it, the TNT title match was the weakest championship match of the show. It was I think the... it was.
1: Well, I mean, excluding the Sean Spears, like, well, that wasn't a title match.
0: match. I'm talking know, straight. I'm... Mm.
1: Well, for me, I think that match was just the weakest in my opinion. I it was. Other it but... was. It was. It's the yeah. only one I
0: gave a full-on thumbs down to for the show. So so then we go to one of our two main events for the evening. I love when pay-per-views do that. To me, the main event's the last match. This is the penultimate. Like, come on now. Oh, we got more than one yeah. main event. It's like, yeah, the main event's the last match. It, it, everybody knows that. Nobody wants to say it, but everybody knows it. So it, true. So for once, Moxley doesn't actually main event in the AEW show. He defended the world title against Brody Lee, Mr. Brody Lee, in the penultimate match. And both men make their their way to the ring. Brody and the Dark Order are still in possession of the Aew title. A few weeks ago, the faction had destroyed John Moxley and Mr. Brody Lee basically took the the title from him. And in the weeks since then, so it's been about two weeks, there are about two episodes of Dynamite that happened after it. And during Brody's matches, he would have the ring announcer re rename him the self-proclaimed Aew world champion Mr. Brody Lee, or the true. AEW world champion Brody Lee, because what they would do is they would just announce his name he's like "Uh uh-uh I got this belt you got to say the belt with my name and he'd get them to announce them again and he did that here at uh, the beginning of the of the entrances so the opening bell goes and Moxie just goes nuts and start starts going after (laughs) Brody something fierce um they fight to the outside and Brody ends up hitting a suplex on the floor he uh he followed moments later with uh, a tope of his own because, you know, Harp, uh, I shouldn't call him Harper. It's, it's Brody Lee. He, he's been in WWE for so long that I, I still think of him as Luke Harper with the Wyatt family. I shouldn't because he's done much better stuff outside of that. But he does have a wicked tope, and he's huge. So oh, it's yeah. like the amount of control he has on that thing is nuts. So then, inside, uh, into the guardrail, uh, Brody Lee was able to deliver a sick looking. Uh, pump handle suplex onto a guardrail he laid out at ringside they get back into the ring and mock sucks it up and delivers a suplex of his own he then just like fucking grabs Brody lee and delivers a full-on pile driver on him just like there was he no
1: yeah pile yeah and just out it, an... it was great
0: it was great because it came out of nowhere and that was a near fall like hard to
1: I think he got that from Suzuki since that's his finish, and he had a great rivalry in New Japan with Suzuki. That just
0: happened, like, not too long ago. Like, that was, like, what, last year? it was awesome. It was awesome. (laughs) It was awesome. So Moxley then uh, moved uh, the ring steps into uh, position, but then he ends up eating a nasty drop kick to his midsection. He's able to recover, though, and he back body drops Lee through the timekeeper's uh, table at ringside. Brody then delivered another release suplex, this time it being onto a set piece on the floor. So another like uh, thing from the, the, the stage, like a, a double or nothing like set piece. So Moxley sells this big time. He's hurt. He's struggling to get back into the ring. And uh, when he gets back into the ring, Brody just delivers a massive boot to his face. And then the fight ends up spilling oh, yeah. to the stage moxley then sets up for the paradigm shift on those same steel steps that he had set up earlier and he ends up getting it and they crash through the ramp they break through it now clearly rigged but the spot looked awesome and there they crash through the ramp you don't know the condition of both men a bunch of medical personnel come out they, they check on both guys moxley's the first to drag his half-dead body back into the ring Brody Lee then rises up like a monster who won't give up. His face totally bloodied. He clearly bladed while he was under there, I think.
1: It looks. It looks like. Yeah, blade it was. So it like... looked
0: like a blade jab to me, but it was effective. I mean,
1: where would you bust your head? You know.
0: Yeah, it it was effective though. He came out bloodied. It looked like he had just, you know, his head went through the fucking uh, stage. Cause he's practically dead. And then the champion, as Brody Lee gets in the ring, is able to hit the paradigm shift again. But guess what? Brody Lee kicks out at one he kicked out at one of the top champions finish so what does mox do he goes for it again but now brody kicks out at 2.1 so barely a two count so mox pretty much just says fuck it and he catches brody off guard and he puts him in a rear naked choke with like a leg lock and and the arm in in like a vice And this is Brody has no answer for this and he struggles and struggles and struggles and then he passes out. So he didn't tap nor did he get pinned, but it's still a submission win for Moxley and Moxley pulling a fucking MMA style submission out of his ass won against this monster to retain the AEW world title in a very, very good world title match. I love this match. I thought it was very good.
1: This match gave off, like, a high-caliber match, even though it's... It was I mean, a big you know, fight
0: feel, you it, know? It
1: gave, me, Yeah, it gave me that big feel. Like, compared to the other matches, I actually felt something, like, when the bell rang. Like, I just couldn't describe it. I think it's because they they both worked under the, the glitz and glamour of WWE. So, I think that's what really gave this match its big fight feel. Be- even though I haven't been keeping up with their program... It's it still felt like, wow, this is something i got to glue my eyes to, and this match did deliver.
0: Oh, it, it delivered in spades. I knew it would. These guys have chemistry uh, dating back to their WWE days when the Wyatt family feuded with The Shield, and they even had their own uh, individual feud when they both kind of left the Intercontinental title picture like about five years ago. They kind of had a little program of their own. And they're both great at brawling. They're both amazing brawlers and know how to work that, like, I don't want to – should I say Mick Foley style – Terry Funk style match. That's, that's what these two remind me of yeah, when they, brawling, yeah, right? but like it's effective brawling that has a great story being told and the offense looks amazing and intense. And they're just two hosses that just wouldn't give up and just beating each other up. And, I-, I loved it, and again, it's one of those things where, like, with a crowd, this would have been, like, so amazing, the lariat that Brody Lee did, and Moxley sells that like a million bucks, and the way he sold the, the paradigm shift when he got hit, and you know when they crashed through the ramp, that would have got a huge ooh and ah, and just, like, uh, it's just so unfortunate, I think, like, this might be Mox's best pay per view match. I enjoyed this match more than I even did his match with Chris Jericho at Revolution. But I might be in a minority there. But
1: did you watch his Hager match on uh, Dynamite?
0: Yes, this was better than that. All right. Yeah, I. didn't I thought really... so. Yeah. yeah. Okay. What did you think, though? Uh,
1: of this match or the uh,
0: Hager match? Which one did you prefer? Is what I'm asking. Oh,
1: of course. Of course, this. Oh one yeah, I the, thought um, so. <laughs> like
0: big time. Like not even Harvard close. Match.
1: Yeah. This is a this. I actually felt. Uh, I felt like this defended or protected uh, Harper. I'm sorry. Yeah, Bobby I know, right? <laughs> so...
0: <laughs> I did the yeah, same thing I... when I first started talking about this match.
1: I think he's well well defended with this. I guess he kicked out of what one, and then two point one, and then he didn't even tap out. So it just shows that. Yeah you know brody lee still has some stuff but you know i think he still needs to rehab like he's gonna have to get rehab
0: because i think he just filled the spot because they really had nobody for mox because like brian cage was hurt they brought him back here at this pay-per-view and now he's being built up to be mox's next challenger they needed somebody for the the spring pay-per-view brody lee was fresh off of being a huge reveal for the dark order and it was just like it was like a quick fix for a pay-per-view so now it's like he's going to go back to the mid card cuz he's, he's pretty much bumped. The, I don't see him getting another title shot for a while. He was oh. I I don't want to say he was a filler opponent, but like that's what it kind of comes off as, right? Like mm-hmm. but he's going to go back to the mid was, hmm?
1: If it wasn't for him being Brody Lee or Luke Harper, I I still don't like his what's it called, Mr. Brody Lee gimmick. It's still a bit unsettling to how he debuted cuz it's still his polar opposite to what we thought he was going to be in AEW. So I mean, do you think he's going to get, like, a gimmick, like, change or something? I actually like
0: it. Oh, really? I do. I do like just the way he talks down to his underlings and acts like a big boss. Like, it's clearly a heel. Like, clearly it's Vince McMahon parody, but I think he's making it work, wearing the suits and eating a steak weird and talking down to all his underlings I think it's it's made me more interested in the Dark Order only to see him. I don't care about anybody else in the faction other than him. So I mean, me caring about him actually matters cuz I've always been a fan of of Mr. Brody Lee's work. I've always liked him as a wrestler.
1: Obviously, this whatever gimmick Mr. Brody Lee is, it doesn't give you like its initial Dark Order gimmick that it was when Dark Order what uh, ha- uh Stu Grayson and uh Evil Uno portrayed at first with a little voodoo stuff. So it's, uh I don't know, I just feel like it, there needs to be a happy middle, I feel like it's just kind of weird, comedic, like, oh, he's just talking to these weird masked men, or painted men, and talking down on them, but I don't
0: know, I guess I gotta keep watching. Just see where it goes from here, but it's Dev, he's going back to the mid-card, and he's probably gonna get rehabbed and get a bunch of wins underneath the main event position, and then, like, like they're going to rehab him. He's going to squash a lot of people. He's going to get a lot of wins going forward to help make people forget about the fact that he lost to the world champion. He will get rehab, but he isn't going to be at the top of the card, I don't think, going forward.
1: Yeah, he'll definitely take some time, but I don't think this will... Um, this is nothing bad at all, in my opinion. No, like, and is, I, 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 I felt
0: kind of underwhelmed with him just passing out when I first watched it, but now that I've looked back on it since we've taken some time to do this review,
1: the yeah. finish was
0: clever. No, like, I love the finish. Like, that is
1: the one thing I, like, love the most out of all of it. Yeah. Was the finish.
0: Because, like, like, Mox's finisher was clearly not working. The guy was just going to keep kicking out. So he had to resort to his legitimate MMA training. Because I think Mox has done, like, like jiu-jitsu training or something yeah. in his spare time, like, outside of wrestling. So, like... And- it's very
1: unexpected for Mox to pull out a you know a, a submission because we've never seen him pull it off. And then just for him to dish it out on Brody was very unexpected, you know, kayfabe was, Oh shoot, he's not going for his high impact, you know, paradigm shift. What is what is this going on? And he just passes out.
0: So yeah, and he just pulled the pulled the submission out of his ass, and he was able to win. So it shows the resourcefulness of the world champion to keep his belt. That he did a little promo after, saying anybody who wants it next can go after him. Well, next up for him. Run. Hmm? I'm
1: loving this Moxley run.
0: I'm not oh, gonna lie. he's a superstar, man. He's oh a superstar. Gosh. I've always loved Moxley. I loved him on oh, the yes. Independence before he went to WWE. I loved him as Dean Ambrose, even though at times he was written a bunch of comedy bullshit. But even he hated that. It's not like yeah, he well, liked you know, doing that. It's no, not him, yeah. it's not him naturally. This is him. Actually, this run with AEW in New Japan, I think is even like eclipsing his original indie run. And it's only like oh, one year yes, into of it. Course. His like his ring work is is like top notch. I've never seen him work as great as a wrestler as he has in the last year, dude. Like he's it he's on fire. I've
1: been, yeah, I've been most invested in him now uh, than ever, to be honest. Even in WWE, it's just amazing how much he can do. You know, right after being uh, released, just straight off to Japan, making you know AEW a top brand.
0: It's John Moxley
1: is definitely bigger than ever, in my opinion.
0: Bigger than ever, for sure. So he's retained the world title, and his next challenger will be Brian Cage. That's the next match for the AEW world title. I thought they'd be saving it for whatever their summer pay-per-view is, whether they do All Out again or they give it a different name. They'll have a summer pay-per-view they plan to do for a year, and I thought that's when they would save that match for, but it's going to be happening at Fighter Fest, which I think happens in the summer too, but it happens before their... Summer pay per view, and they will announce the date of uh, Fighter Fest on Dynamite this week. So, future world title match to look forward to will be John Moxley versus Brian Cage, and that's an interesting matchup, dude. I look forward to that.
1: I, I never thought they would be in a ring, so this is a uh, this will be fun. I wonder how the program is going to be like. Have we probably be in
0: on Dynamite to find out, I suppose. Yeah. Yes, sir. Since next week will be the first week to build that up, so then we go to the second main event of the evening but really the actual main event because it was the last match of the show and that of course being the stadium stampede match and i'm sure me and gabe will have a lot to say about this one so it was the inner circle that being chris jericho's faction of himself jake hagar sammy guvara santana and ortiz against the elite um kenny omega hangman page the young bucks that being matt and nick jackson and of course their their ally as of the last few months and since his debut broken matt hardy what's or damascus is what he's going by now damascus uh
1: damascus broken yeah whatever you want to refer to him as
0: so this is this was a spectacle so they shoot they show us the, the stadium and you gotta love these guys entrance. So, the the, uh, the Inner Circle, <laughs> I, I... <laughs> you want to say something about it before I kind of go into detail about it? or
1: uh, I mean, like, as soon as they entered, I texted you that mm-hmm. I was loving it. And it was that was right when Inner Circle entered. I'm like, are you serious? They're going to enter in this. So, yeah, go ahead.
0: Yeah, so the Inner Circle comes out first. And it, Jericho's uh, theme hits first. So, like... Uh... Uh, Judas starts playing, and then they're introduced like legitimate sports athletes, and all members of the inner circle have legitimate football gear on. They have jerseys, they have shoulder pads, look like they have cleats on, shin pads, they're all ready to go, they look like football players, because you see they're competing, uh... I guess it's where the Jacksonville Jaguars play. Is that that uh, yeah, particular? Yeah. yeah, so the, all the the Jacksonville Jaguar cheerleaders were there too, cheering on everybody as they entered. So like, then um, the elite come out and they're just wrestlers coming out with like smoke or like whatever. Yeah,
1: I know in the the little vi- video package, inner circles like, oh, we've never fought each other, we've never had any discourse, we are one, and I
0: guess that's the, mm-hmm. the resemblance of the uniforms. So, yeah, uh, that they, like they, that yeah, that they were more in unison than the Elite were. Because the Elite yeah. all come out individually. The Bucks come out. Uh, Kenny Omega comes out. Matt Hardy comes out. And then Hangman Page, oddly enough, is the last to supposedly come out. But he's absent. And Matt Jackson's like, what the fuck, pretty much? He's like, where is this guy? Like, what's going on? And and Kenny Omega says, rest assured, he'll be here. Trust me, guys. He's coming. He, he, he won't let us down, is pretty much what he's telling his team members. So... They end up, like, charging at each other from, like, wherever they're at the different ends of the the stadium. So they just start running at each other like it's a goddamn action movie. And they they all just start fighting around the ring. And uh, so eventually they end up getting in the ring and a bunch of moves are, are done. And Sammy Guevara ends up going outside and he looks over and he is shocked. To see Chuck Norris hang- style Hangman Page on a horse, and Page charges towards Sammy Guevara on this horse, and basically, like I guess, scares him back into the into the ring. Um, so he ends up. Uh, uh, Sammy ends up getting back, uh, tries to hit a shooting star press on Matt Hardy, but he ends up eating a twist of fate. Eventually, later on, uh, Sammy does end up hitting his shooting star, and he wipes everybody out who is like outside, yeah, outside. Uh, the ring. Yeah. Uh, then Matt Jackson, who is a madman, may I say, because this he, guy is
1: crazy. Because he, ribs. he
0: hurt his ribs legitimately the Wednesday before on Dynamite, and he insisted that he be the one to deliver a moonsault. Off the goalpost, and he did so onto Chris Jericho for a near fall. So what's weird is I could have sworn they they advertised this as it had to end in the ring, but then they changed their mind, I guess, or maybe that was just misinformation because this ended up being a falls count anywhere.
1: Oh yeah, um, I think ten it man match. match. It, was it,
0: it was better as a result instead of them having to go in the ring all the time for pins, they could just try and pin their opponents anywhere. So
1: Brian, back back to Matt though, the first time I winced was when he took a power bomb. I forgot from who, but Matt took a power bomb. And power arms are not—they're not nice to take. And he has broken ribs, so that wasn't fun to like.
0: Yeah, to witness to. yeah, he did. I thought he was gonna do a lot—very minimal stuff. I'm stupid for uh, believing too. that. I'm stupid but for he, believing that, though, right? Like, of course, he, he had to.
1: Stuff like it was a, a regular match, and I'm like, Matt, you're you're gonna. have are like hurt, bud. Ribs. If you
0: keep going you're hurt bud like why are you doing all this crazy you have your brother there who could do it for you but no he, yeah, he insisted I, I
1: think i think matt yeah matt was uh like no nick i gotta do this moonsault i'm like do you really and he so did, and then
0: so hey. i might uh i might have to say this so they all fight and and i guess hangman page is what came to the show drunk because he just rode his horse to the basically like the concourse or the the actual inside the stadium And he's just looking around for Sammy Guevara. But the last time we actually seen Sammy, he was um, fighting with everybody around the ring still. So Hangman starts looking around. He gets off his horse. And then he decides, well, it's time to go find the bar. (laughs) So then he goes to find a a place to drink because that's part of his gimmick now. Um, So... After this, uh, the fight spills to the stands. So they, they cut back to the Axel Stadium, and Matt Hardy and Kenny Omega for a long time are fighting with Santana and Ortiz all around. Um, they fight so much that uh, basically uh, I I forget they I think uh, Santana and Ortiz end up power bombing Kenny through like a, a table that was set up like like by a stand, and they take him out. Oh yeah. And then they end up double teaming Matt Hardy until they get to the pool. <laughs> and uh, actually, I think I, I, I missed some stuff before that. So um, there was two. There was uh, a lot of
1: stuff. Yeah. Well, no, no, I, I,
0: I am on track. I am on track. They do beat down Matt Hardy, and they, they throw him into the pool. Okay, so Matt Hardy is in the pool. I guess this happened to be water from the lake of reincarnation, and I'll explain that in just a little more here. So they're basically, Santana and Ortiz are trying to murder Matt Hardy on pay-per-view. They're trying to drown this this guy to death. This I mean, is murder a is
1: a popular, like, it thing is, on, it is, uh, a, post-pandemic pay-per-view. Tossing it people off man.
0: buildings, fucking yeah. burying them alive. It's a common occurrence. So they're trying to drown Matt Hardy. And there's, like, a way... They cut to the, the, the part where you could see through it, because it's, like, there's, like, a little plastic section. So you see Matt making, like, wacky faces under the water. And then all of a sudden, he makes the V1 sign with his hand. And then a Matt fact pops up on the screen that Matt can hold his breath for... I forget the exact amount, but, like...
1: 358 seconds, uh, 358,
0: 358 or 360 seconds or whatever. And he, and, and he basically hulks up his V1 and, and fights fights back against them but then they overpower him again and he gets he gets put back underwater but then he reincarnates as like traditional broken matt hardy and goes super and basically uh fights them both off um as this is going on uh Jake Hager ends up backstage and he finds oh he finds Hangman's horse this so, is my
1: favorite part
0: Biden, <laughs> this, was, entire, this, this was this was badass. so good this was this so was, good so it teases it for a while because he just assumes he finds the same sign that leads to the bar that Hangman had seen earlier, so he go In Jake Hager's mind, he's thinking, that motherfucker's at the bar. I'm gonna go meet him there. <laughs> so Jake Hager, this tough fucking MMA fighter, goes to the bar so he can have a confrontation with Hangman Page. But before that, um, we see more wackiness with Santana and Ortiz than Matt Hardy. So it's, it's basically a handicap match in the stands here. But Matt is able to use a fucking bell... A bell that you ring, like a really loud bell that you'd see like at a church or something. He rings yeah, this like bell to bell. get the advantage, and like Ortiz has like like convulsions. This thing is so loud, it's like he he can't stand this the sound. It's yeah, Matt
1: is okay. <laughs> he he's like ah
0: yeah, Matt's fine, but like Ortiz is selling the fact that this bell is so loud. And in this, Matt is able to uh, uh, subdue Ortiz by duct taping him to a wheelchair that's just chilling there. It was just a wheelchair. Actually, they had teased it a few times, and I thought they were going to double-team Matt and throw him down some stairs, like what happened to uh, oh, Zach Gowan, but that's probably too risky. So it, what it was there for was just, it was a way to subdue Ortiz. He gets duct-taped. Then Santana tries to save him, but Matt Hardy basically overwhelms him and shoves him in a freezer and locks him in a freezer, is pretty much what happened there. And he took him out. So then we cut back to the bar, and we see Jake Hager enter the bar where Hangman Page is drinking, and he basically says, well, I knew you'd be here. And he's like, and then Hangman goes, yeah. And he asks Jake, are you here to fight? Or are you here to drink? And before Jake could answer his question, I think Hangman said something along the lines of because I'm here for both. And then they start trading blows and they start fighting and, and beat the shit out of each other. Jake does like a bunch of power moves on him. There was a part where Jake, like a fucking Looney Tunes cartoon, like you'd see Bugs Bunny do... Gets drag- Jake Hager drags Hangman Page across the bar stand, oh, knocking down awesome. alcohol bottles and glasses and all that and throws them. He suffers, a, 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 I think a, like Jake Hager even overpowered him. He did a gut-wrench powerbomb on a pool table. Oh, that must have hurt. <laughs> that oh looked like God. it sucked I, I kinda, big time.
1: I, I winced. I went so hard on a pool table. No, no, no. That thing's hard.
0: So that goes on. And then we cut to the field. So now we see Matt Jackson battling Sammy Guevara while Chris Jericho at another end of the field is battling Nick Jackson. So they, they battle, they do their stuff. And then Matt, who may I, we've been through this a million times. He had (laughs) broken ribs going into this, this, this fucking match. He starts Northern Lights suplexing Sammy Guevara and he keeps going. And it's basically like, he's going to do the fucking touchdown hundred yards performing consecutive northern light suplexes so then we cut again to jericho and and nick jackson and they battle and they kind of trade spots back and forth and then uh jericho gets distracted by the jaguar mascot and so jericho being the heel can't let anybody have any fun and he delivers the judas effect, the judas effect. to the fucking mascot and goes i hate mascots you idiot! Like just the usual Jericho thing. It was it was it was fantastic, and there comes a point where I think I don't I don't remember what he hit on on Nick, but he was able to subdue Nick, and Nick was able to kick out at like uh, two point nine or whatever, and Jericho thought he got a three, and so he and his favorite referee it's aubrey aubrey edwards is her name i believe yeah, she she referees right. like everything when it comes to jericho they go back in the tent to look over the footage like it's a football game <laughs> and he's, he's he's yelling at her saying she's the worst referee she's blowing a call blah 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 like just like what you do when you stall a game in an actual football game it was it was awesome then from the, the tent we cut to uh back to jake hagar destroying hangman page and then Kenny Omega comes to save the day. It's his tag team championship partner, his elite team member. He's going to save the day. And together, they're able to overwhelm Jake Hager and do some double team maneuvers. But nothing cooler than Kenny Omega helping uh, Hangman Page flip into the buckshot lariat, which he hits oh on Jake God. Hager. And Hager flies over and falls uh, like under the, the fucking bar, pretty much. That was beautiful. That looked great. That was
1: great. So that I, I didn't think that was possible. Before. It it
0: looked so great, dude. Like that was like it, that it was is. so fucking cool. It was like like he, he flipped him by his legs, uh, Hangman did a wonderful little flip, and then he delivered that fucking Larry and it took Jake Hager out. And that was the last we've seen of Hager. But before we end the, the Kenny and uh Hangman Page's little thing, Kenny gets himself some milk, Hangman Page pours himself some alcohol, and they share a drink as tag team champions.
1: I'm not gonna lie, Adam Page is. I've been loving him. He's like a more yeah, he's a more. superstar in the
0: making, dude. He's got a yeah, I, it, it, his gimmick works, dude. It's a great gimmick. His gimmick,
1: oh my god, it's great. Like I didn't buy it at first when he was like feuding with Jericho for the world title. That was before he first. really
0: like found his character, though.
1: Yeah, and now he's just he's just doing cowboy shit, <laughs>
0: drinking on the job, showing up late, just not giving a fuck. It's just. Everybody can just like relate to not giving a fuck, right? Like that's like a thing, yeah. like just not giving a shit about anything. That makes you cool, and that's what <laughs> Hangman Page is able to do. And it was on display in this match. They fucking emphasized that so much. I thought, much if like you, he, he, hmm?
1: if he wins the world's belt like any time now, I would I would be behind it. Like, oh, I think he'll win it. He'll
0: win it at some point. I think that's inevitable that he wins the belt. It may not be anytime soon, but he'll be groomed for that. Oh yes, believe of me. So eventually Matt Jackson does finish getting over the 100 point yard line with Sammy Guevara. <laughs> he did make the touchdown with uh, with the, those suplexes. Um, Jericho's done challenging Aubrey Edwards. He finally gives up on on her trying to give him the win. but then he runs into the young bucks and they both lay him out. They both double team did uh,
1: him. Didn't the ref like give Matt a penalty for some reason? Oh yes,
0: I I completely forgot about that. That was so random. I didn't so
1: understand random. why that happened. Like, okay, like, it was it, it
0: was a stupid WCW reference. So there was a there was a, a a decent wrestler named Alex Wright, who competed for WCW, and he 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 wasn't really given a good shot. But then they just thought it was because they didn't have him have a good gimmick for him. So they gave him this flashy fucking jacket and made him dance as a part of his gimmick to try and get him over. And it did the exact opposite. I mean, crowds cared for him even less after he started dancing. So Matt did that dance in reference to <laughs> Alex Wright's shitty gimmick. So since he referenced an outdated shitty gimmick, the referee penalized him for it. So then he felt that was unjust and super kicked them. But that's what that was. So for that, that was that amazing. reference. Yeah. That's amazing. So yes, that happened. But then after that, the Young Bucks are able to double team Chris Jericho. They set up a table. They put him on it. Matt g- leaps up to where the fucking... Like where the fucking uh, seats are for the stadium, which is quite high up compared to where Jericho is. Let me remind you. And then he runs all the way up a big flight of stairs so he can start running all the way down. And he picks up momentum, picks up momentum. He's running, running, running. He does a big jump onto uh, basically the the barricade that separates uh, the edge of where the seats are from the seats themselves. And he does this massive, humongous splash on Chris Jericho through the table and sells it big time. That looked crazy. And then as uh, Jericho is laying there, Hangman Page shows up with the the stripe marker for football fields, like the little
1: stripe maker,
0: and just runs it over Jericho, over his fucking crotch and face, and Jericho's just left for dead at that point. So after this, um, Sammy Guevara had been laid out, but he gets woken up by uh, fucking the sprinkler system. So he gets it in the face, then he gets it in his crotch, and he's selling the fact that he just got sprayed like a goof, And then he looks around, and he may not see any of his Inner Circle team members, but he doesn't see any member of the Elite. So he assumed that they'd all got beaten up and that they were the last team standing because of him, and he thinks he's won it for his team. But then he hears a familiar noise. He hears a vehicle. He hears a horn. And he turns around, and there he sees the people who tried to murder him about a month ago on Dynamite. Matt Hardy and Kenny Omega are in a golf cart, and sammy Guevara has flashbacks of when the last time they ran a golf cart at him on dynamite and he begins to head for the hills and he runs to the stands and he jumps up to where the seats are similar to where uh, nick jackson had jumped off for the jericho spot and then kenny and matt basically jump up into the bleachers as well and they chase him up to this big big humongous platform sammy's able to fight off matt hardy but him and kenny basically trade shots and they build to uh, Kenny hitting a V trigger up on this top platform. Now below them, which is which is very very below them, dude. Like this was a massive drop. There was this a high. This was a there was a huge crash pad there. But I cannot overstate how high these two dudes are up. Like that was this was an insane drop. Like I think it was over twenty feet, dude. It was nuts. And so Kenny Omega delivers a goddamn one-winged angel off this platform in the stands through this big drop where there's a crash pad and him and Sammy crash and burn. Like, that's crazy enough for Kenny to do that, but how about Sammy Guevara, who's taking that move, where you can't really see what the fuck's going on and you're getting, like, you're upside down and you get dropped, like, right side up, and, like, (laughs) there's nowhere to go but down? That was a crazy spot, man. That was insane. After we'd seen so many insane things like there was about a a ton of insane things like i'm sure i'm still missing out stuff because it's been a day since i've seen it but i'm trying to remember the matches as much as i remember it and how it was put together but then kenny basically gets the pin on sammy Guevara, and the elite win the stampede or the stadium stampede match so it was the most ridiculous chaotic insane fucking nuts piece of fucking wrestling art I've ever seen. But you know what? As much as I can say, I love the Boneyard match. I thought the Firefly Funhouse was very creative. I thought the Money in the Banks had their moments. There were times where those were so cinematic that it kind of took me out of the fact that this was supposed to be a contest. This had similar ups that those had, but you never lost the feeling that these guys were competing against each other and that you were in a movie. This felt like a match. The whole time. Like, there were times at the Boneyard that, it, you know, it got, it was, like, too cinematic. It didn't really feel like a contest. Firefly Funhouse, even more so. Money in the Bank, the ridiculous, like, uh, cameos that didn't need to happen. And the, the Home Alone-style humor that went overboard. And there wasn't really working. It was, like, a lot of, like, just, like, stupid brawling and shit. This had, had moves. There was a, a period in the match about, like, very early on... Where they were trading super kicks, Jericho does the lion salt, Jake Hager comes in for a tackle, where they literally did like five minutes worth of stuff in the ring. Oh, they, yeah. they worked they worked some spots and shit like early on, and then even as they were brawling, it still felt like a false count anywhere between five, uh, ten dudes in a stadium where you could pin the guy anywhere in the venue. Do you kind of understand what I'm saying in my uh, analysis no, yeah, here? I, I
1: understand it. I feel like it's uh, the Tommaso and Gargano. Except like, better. <laughs> yeah. Except better because
0: that, that thing got boring in some spots and went on too long. There was not one time where I felt that this went on too long.
1: Oh, yeah. No, definitely. Like, I, I was, like, in my seat still wondering, okay, what can they do next? Where are you going to top? Not wondering, like, oh, damn, how long has it been? What, when is it going to be done? No, this uh, this had me on the edge of my seat, one hundred percent. As soon as, as soon as Inner Circle entered with the football gear, you I'm knew. Like, okay. Yeah, you
0: knew you're in for something special. <laughs> yeah,
1: I knew this was gonna be something, and then I kind of like. I kind of like paid more attention when I saw a tweet of Jericho. He's like, oh, this is something I haven't done in my past 30 years or something. So I'm like, wow, is he really just saying this out of, you know, for promotion purposes or does he mean it? And I feel like he meant it here, so it's...
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, big yeah. time.
1: So this is uh, this is a great, great match. Uh, I, w- I don't know how I would rate it because... No, I give it two <laughs> thumbs up.
0: Easy two thumbs up. <laughs> Because I'm not thinking Cha-ching. of anything. I
1: mean, of course, of course, there's negatives, but like I don't care, uh, because this match was just
0: well, great. Uh, okay, let's actually since this is gonna be an interesting discussion. Let's talk about the negatives. The only thing I thought was a little too hokey was maybe some of the Matt Hardy stuff at the pool.
1: Yeah, that's what I was thinking. You know, yeah. I thought the lake of reincarnation is only at the Hardy compound, and also I know he's done it in. Impact like backstage, but it's because it's a bucket of it, you know, it makes mm. sense. Yeah, but this is this is you know, the Jacksonville Jaguars is, um, you know, a little pool. How would this reincarnate, you know, past Matt Hardy's and you know, Ortiz and Santana are still regular too? Like, they yeah. didn't change at all. I no. thought they would change into their like you know, LAX gimmick for a second.
0: No, they didn't. So it was and only the, and the, the V1 screen, but it was a cool Easter egg, but it was that was a little too goofy. And maybe you could argue that the hangman, Jake Hager stuff, but that built to something that really mattered later on. Like, it was oh, a funny... liking everything yeah, after that. Yeah, the bar scene, I don't have any complaint about that. As I said, them drinking, but they fought right after they exchanged words. It's not like they hammed it up and got drunk together. They fought very shortly after Jake Hager ended. there. The only thing I thought that was a little too silly was some of the Matt Hardy shit. Other than that, well, it was fine.
1: For, okay, f- other than k I thought... Matt taking all of that punishment and doing these spots still, I think that was still a bit too dangerous. Like I don't know how he is now, but I think he should have like I don't know, not done some of those? Like the (laughs) moon. Oh Matt was was, Matt Jackson
0: was a maniac. He should not have done half of what he did.
1: That's like my real gripe about it because Matt, I mean, I think he needs to cool it down still. He still has like a career ahead of him. Yeah, you
0: want to be like a top tag team for the next decade? You gotta start slowing down there, bud. Especially when you're working hurt.
1: Yeah, that's what matt Hardy's doing that's what chris jericho's doing they're slowing down and they're still being you know in the hot topic so you but know yeah. matt, just being bruised like that he needs to know when it's time like to if i had broken ribs load.
0: dude i wouldn't be moonsaulting from a goalpost.
1: <laughs> just... i don't think i wouldn't i don't think i'll do it even with yeah that, like, even like, if i was 100 percent, i probably wouldn't <laughs> yeah. do that
0: but anyway this gets two thumbs up for me and i enjoyed okay so here's the thing so at Revolution, they had Match of the Year there for the AEW World Tag Titles. The Young Bucks versus Hangman Page and Kenny Omega, I think it's going to stand the test for me. I think that's going to remain my Match of the Year, especially with the way things are in the world. But the rest of the show, it, it was very good, but it wasn't as consistent as this one. I think this is the best pay-per-view they have done this year, and I think it's the best pay-per-view that has pretty much happened this year. And you know what? I say that because this was a show that had a lot working against it. It had no regular audience. It it had to follow up last year's event. And you know what? It might not have been as good as last year's event because there was no crowd. But the fact that this pay-per-view was as fantastic and solid and consistent as it was, despite the pandemic handicap, you got to give AEW credit for putting on such a show with such a big... Magnificent show. With, with, with everything going against it. Like, it should not... With how we've seen WWE put a, put together stuff, and well, we know that they have people react to stuff on Dynamite, but we know some of the pay-per-view matches have fallen a little flat and this, that, and the other, right? Like, re- look at WrestleMania, look at uh, Money in the Bank. Um, we'll see how TakeOver goes in June. But w- maybe that's because WWE just doesn't get the modern product. I think these guys just know modern wrestling enough that they can make it work in, in an, any environment, really. I think that they proved their, their chops tonight. I, I hope they got a good buy rate for the show because it was worth every penny. And the fact that they could put on a show as fantastic as this with the pandemic, causing them to not have any live people in attendance, speaks volumes. And that makes the show more impressive, that it was as great as it was without a, without a legitimate crowd. I would give the show an A+. plus.
1: A+. plus. Wow. Uh, yeah, I can't really think of anything, uh, you know, very negative other than Sean Spears. Uh, yeah,
0: that was bad. But, like, but one, one that, bad be, out of, like, it'd... eight?
1: Yeah. So, yeah, I'll, I'll give it an A2 uh, thumbs up. I'll give it two thumbs up for this No, oh, I'd definitely
0: give this pay-per-view two thumbs up. The only show that's comparable that I think was was pretty was, could be as comparable hey, is TakeOver Portland. Yeah, TakeOver yep. Portland. That had a lot of fantastic matches, um, and it had a crowd, which gives it a, a bit of a leg up. But as I said, I'm adding my score due to how much this show achieved without a crowd. You know what I mean? Like, yes, that that's an impressive thing to me, so that adds to my scoring. That's why I'm giving it a plus instead of just an A because like this show was as fantastic as it was with the handicap that the whole wrestling industry has been put under and you can't have fans in attendance and they still completely over delivered. And that was just, it, it was awesome to me. I hope that the show does a good buy rate because these guys, they killed it. They absolutely I'll killed it,
1: it. I'll give it actually, yeah, I'll give it an A like the only gripe is Sean Spears. And mm. It's also weird for me. Um, I wasn't really that interested in the card but these matches did make me like believe and realize how good each matches were great in its own right on its own vi- ver- ver- oh, shoot variety mm-hmm. and you know they're, they 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 their whole purpose is for us to buy the pay-per-view the buy rates and all that because they have these flashy like you know cards but the execution just never holds up to what they they're promising us like mm-hmm. my biggest my biggest regret is still aj versus shinsuke and they just had that on smackdown tv which is kind of unsettling for me because that has always been like the match i've always wanted in a w umbrella and it's still never really developed into something cool after wrestlemania so
0: mm-hmm. is yeah it?
1: aw is something to look out for
0: Yeah, I bet you're going to be watching Dynamite this week. or be more intrigued to watch it this week after seeing that show. I bet you'll be more interested in tuning in now, right? So that is a a success because I will be tuning in too. So now it is the end here, folks, which means it's time for the cheapest of plugs. It's that time of the podcast where we shamelessly plug all of our social media. And Gabe, you usually have something to plug yourself, so the floor is now yours. I do
1: have something to plug on my latest episode of How Goes It With Gabe Knows It. I did interview Josh Fuller, uh one of the most up and coming wrestlers uh in the DMV area, but sadly he's been sidelined with a concussion injury and he just he just talks uh, talks about his uh struggles with concussion uh you know protocols and his wrestling journey so far like um he was about to actually have a feud with Marco Stunt in an indie show until Marco Stunt started to uh, gain fruition, and he also wrestled Hornswoggle in a match, and it's his most viewed like match ever. Even people in India are watching it. He has like 300,000 views on uh, his YouTube channel because of uh, his match against Hornswoggle. So uh, go check that out. Uh, it's a great listen. I think it's my favorite uh, episode so far. It's just it was just very chill. And um, other than that, just follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Gabe Nozid, G-A-B-E-N-O-Z-I-D. And i like to shout out to one of my favorite Joshi wrestlers who sadly took her own life, Hana Kimura. Um, it, it's sad too, I was just getting into her stuff like a couple months ago, and I was even telling my sister how great of a work she was. And my sister was also interested, and she doesn't watch wrestling that much, but it it sucks that uh cyberbullying is getting to what it's you know becoming and it's it just has to stop in my opinion and sadly we won't really know if it will because that's yeah how,
0: that's tragic she was only 22 like only
1: 22 <clears> it's <throat> like i'm i'm right around there too so it's 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 horrifying to know that words do hurt and yeah she was re- she had a promising career like i really liked her work in uh, stardom so mm-hmm um i just hope she's just resting easy wherever she is in the in the stars or wherever so um yeah that's all i gotta plug because uh, who knows it
0: game knows it so just i would want to echo off that this is a time where we're supposed to be like together and use communication for the best form of humanity to help everybody that's through true. this tough time we all have to stay in we all have to stay indoors and stay away from getting sick and we shouldn't be using that time to bully people and send harassment this is the time to use this technology to unite all of us rather than like use it as like an, an attack weapon this is not the time to be doing that and it is very like uh she has the her whole family has the condolences of everybody on the apron bumps podcast it's just a very sad and tragic story like the last week was not a very good week for the wrestling community and oh no and rest in peace, Shad, Shad Gaspard yeah Shad Gaspard as well and just every just everybody who might have been you know and then they they aired the Owen Hart on Dark Side of the Ring oh just, I remember. Uh, yeah yeah yeah, I yeah, yeah. it was it was just a very tough week for wrestling fans and hopefully maybe this podcast can you know I'm bringing it up now but you before you heard this uh, hopefully it was some entertainment to kind of alleviate how, a lot of the sadness and maybe how some people are feeling right now so uh, with, We're here to do. with that being said, if you uh, have listened to this uh, podcast on Anchor and you want to keep listening or whatever, uh, give the little podcast a download. We are also available on the following platforms. We are available on Breaker, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, Copy, RSS, and the most important of all, in my opinion, that being... Spotify itself. So if you've heard us on any of those platforms, do give it a nice little download and uh, follow maybe the Apron Bumps uh, page on there so you know when you get uh, future episodes because we do these. We try to do them as much as we can. It's usually for the shows we deem important enough, and there is one coming up that being uh, NXT Takeover in Your House at the beginning of June. We will do match card, pre- uh, not match card predictions, but predictions for the card itself and then the actual review, much like we've done for Double or Nothing, Money in the Bank, and WrestleMania previously. Also, if you did not hear this on Anchor or any of its uh, supporting platforms and you actually watched the video form of this video and you enjoyed what you liked and heard, please give that subscribe button a little click there. And as I said, I always upload a video form of this podcast to my YouTube channel, that being youtube.com bracer So that's all we have for you this week, ladies and gentlemen, and we are going to Spanish fly on out of here. See you next time, folks.